This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. What's good, Internet? It's April 11th, 2023, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 557. I'm your host, Rob Zachney, and I'm joined by Ricardo Contreras. Hello. Patrick Lopek. Hi. And Renata Price. I'm no longer a sickly Victorian child, mostly. <laughs> the strep is really common. <laughs> it's not like a... It's actually like really bad this season. I've like a lot of adults oh. have gotten uh, like a children. ton of people. Like, but I will say most people are getting it through the child vector. Is yeah. mm. like my understand. Like, uh, maybe the original of, source, but it's like yeah. adults are just as contagious as kids. This like, is from once, me. once they've got it. This was my strap. <laughs> I was patient zero. <laughs> that 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 streptococcal bacteria grew on my tonsils. <laughs> it's valid. We see it. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Hey, Patrick came to us with uh, some important, an important item on the agenda today. Mm. Uh, Patrick has seen Natalie Watson's Mario movie. Oh, shit. Uh, Patrick, (laughs) lay it on us. First of all, what was the theater experience like? How did the kids handle it? Uh, How many children were there? We, we surprised them uh, th- for some reason on Friday. So usually the schools uh, and the daycares line up the days they take off with like holidays that parents would have off. So it all works out for everyone. Not here. Just like it's a good Friday to take a day off is essentially also like I think Easter Friday is one of the things that corporations have gotten away from giving people as a day off. I think maybe that exists in the floating holiday thing. But either way, I had my children uh, and uh, also tried to do some work. And I was like, you know what? The logical end state of kids home need to work, turn kids into content. Mario movie out. The math, the math equation writes itself. Um, and so uh, we, we loaded them up. Our, our youngest had never been to a movie theater before, but has been the Mario trailer was banned within our household because if you started it, she would see that there were three others plus like the clips in the trailers app on the Apple TV. And we would just cycle through those. And every time it was cause she just wanted to get to the moment where Toad says, we're adorable. And she would just do that in front of the TV. Mm. And it was adorable. And then it was like a hundred times. And it's like, it's still adorable, but like slightly less than before. Um, <laughs> adorable, and, but starting to grate just a bit. <laughs> yeah. Like, give me some time. It's adorable. Like three days from now. And then I want to see it again. Um, and uh, so she never been to a theater. My oldest uh, has been a handful of times, but uh, is a big Mario fan, plays a lot of Mario games on, on her switch. And so, 
We did. We, um, knowing that I could see Natalie Watson's name in a movie theater, uh, plus get my kids out of the house and have a legitimate reason to drink a beer at 2 p.m. while I waited 10, <laughs> while I showed up to the movie theater. I, I saw there was the bar and I asked the attendant, I was like, is that, man, I don't know how to phrase this question without sounding uh, disgusting. But I was like, can anyone serve me a beer? Because there appears to be no one there. Like, I guess we could call someone down. And I was like, okay. <laughs> like, Wait. I would like shuff, shuffle over to the, to, to the beer so they could have the one person there that was authorized to to serve it uh is this, what kind of is this the same place that does the specialty drinks was well, amc's okay. amc's in general yeah, yeah. do um they did not they did have, not have a i was about they to did ask. not have a, a mario and <laughs> luigi um i believe <laughs> what was there it might have been leftover look you can Creed. even make it or no kid, you could make it you can make it like a shirley temple mario's that's red true. hat that's shirley true temple. that's true <laughs> Um, no, they were, they, they had already put out the, the stuff for, um, that vampire Renfi- Renfield. 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 Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That one that's coming out, um, this weekend. I want to see that. Um, hmm? I should say, I want to, I want to see that. I saw, uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula for the first time, like two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Oh yeah. Ago. You were mentioning that. Yes. Little, and so like, uh, I was Nick, like, oh, Nick I recognize, I recognize who mm-hmm. that is, who that would be in that story. It's Keanu Reeves' character. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, no Keanu Reeves in this movie. But yeah, we, we made it over to the theater and uh, like managed to be one of those theaters where uh, the, it's, all, it's a smaller theater, doesn't have a ton of seats, mm. but they all recline. And so Ooh. when we sat down, like we had two seats, two seats, like we weren't able to get all in a row because at 1 p.m. on a Friday, on a day where lots of kids had it off because of schools and daycares being closed, um, everybody, like, right. I thought for sure, I was like, oh, I can just, like, I'll just look up the tickets right before the showing and I'll just, I'll just book them. Oh, and no. I, I happened to look the night before and I'm glad I did because all the showings were just getting slammed by parents having the most convenient thing in the world to do yeah. on, a, on a Friday with their kids. And so, so we had like two row, like two seats, two seats, and it worked out fine because my, my oldest is usually attached to the hip to me and my youngest is attached at the hip to, to my wife. And when I got the youngest down set up with her giant bag of gummies that we told her to try and eat slowly. And then she ate before the trailers mm-hmm. were over. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I was like, hey, there's this button you can press. What does the button do? And I was like, well, press it. And I press it. And like all of a sudden the seat starts reclining. And the way her eyes bulged, I said, like, you don't have to do this. Like, this is scary. And she leans back and goes, no. No, I, lo- I like this. I'm like, well, don't get used to it. We don't have any recliners at home. But you have better seating at the movie theater. Um, so, yeah, we sat down and watched the, the Mario movie. Uh it's totally fun. I'm I, I it's I think things like the Lego movie, Pixar films have suggested a world where kids movies can be more than just sort of like the bright <clears throat> colored affair that they often are. And when Nintendo announced they were partnering with Illumination, I was like, man, I know exactly what this movie is going to be. <laughs> I have seen these movies. They are totally fine in, in the like the pantheon of things you can watch as kids. Illumination stuff looks gorgeous moves fast and like makes you chuckle Real fast. And I was like, <laughs> I, was like I was like, that fits Mario to a T and they are going to knock this out of the park. And in terms of exactly what an illumination Mario film would be like, they knocked it out of the park. Like it is, it is a lot of fun. It's moving images. Chris Pratt is fine. <laughs> like, 
It's fine. There's, there's the poster <laughs> quote for the extended run in theaters. It's, it's moving images. images. <laughs> it's what moving more images. do you want? Sometimes I mean, they sing I, sounds I have, to them. I, like, if you watch kids' films, you act like that is a it, it is like a, a low bar to hit. You're fucking wrong. <laughs> like to have delightful, colorful, moving images that are interesting for 90 minutes is not what most kids fair is. It what? is insult <laughs> yes, it is insulting. Like I'm saying like for me to sit there and enjoy myself. Like you are not going to get that from most kids fair. Like it is the, the most kids fair is insulting and boring. Go through go, <laughs> Rob, go to the Netflix kids section one time. No, okay, okay, yeah, hang on. Like what I'm thinking like <laughs> movies, like the like you know, But kids movies don't with- exist anymore. They don't really. How like kids movies are rarer and rarer in 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 the movie theater landscape. Like they are mostly things that are premiering on streaming with lower budgets, like less, like less, uh, uh, you know, ambition. And anyway, it's all to say, like I, this movie was wildly entertaining. I had a blast. My my kid was doing the Leonardo DiCaprio. I know what that is, like <laughs> pointing meme every five seconds because it is a movie both filled with obvious references. I mean, there's a, you know. A whole, you know, everyone knows there's the Rainbow Road sequence, which is pulling from Mario Kart, which is very much pulling from the like Mario Kart Deluxe, which at this point I think might be the most influential Nintendo game of the last 10 years. But we just don't talk about it that much because it's less interesting to talk about a Mario Kart game. And like the the way that like the, the characters Mario, Peach and Toad like pick out their their uh, their carts is straight up the UI of like from Mario Kart 8 Deluxe of like picking the. The, the you know like the, the the structure and the thing on top of it and uh well go ahead Renan that's cute I, I'm just I'm now fascinated by something Patrick mm. how do you how do you okay you sit down you say mm-hmm. I'm going to watch a movie with my children today mm-hmm. or my children are going to watch a movie today I'm going to be present for it mm-hmm. what does the order of operations look like for you when choosing a thing because I'm like fast and I'm, I'm I'm now I'm now really curious. I mean, it's like most parents, you try to make suggestions and then work your way backwards from that. Like, hey, this like really interesting looking like there's like some decent fare on Netflix that are like movies that would have gone in theaters 10 years ago. But that's just not where those movies end up anymore. Some of them are still being made. And Netflix has the most prolific animation output of any service. Uh, so if you have a kid, you're subscribing to Disney Plus and Netflix. And sometimes there is stuff there that doesn't look like Barbie mermaids like made on like a computer in the 90s um, <laughs> with voice acting that might might not be AI, but it also like might be people at gunpoint being asked to speak into a microphone. <laughs> like that's the vibe you get from some of these shows. Uh. And so you like pitch like, hey, like it's almost it's a salesperson. It's like, hey, this looks like I would have a good time. Like, does anyone else want to watch that? And the kids shout no and then you work your way backwards to what are the animated films that they've seen before that i could watch again thankfully my youngest very into spider-man right now she will watch Uh, spider-verse as many times as i will allow her and that's great and spider-verse exists on that spectrum of but she gets distracted watching spider-verse because spider-verse is a film that is trying to be like a a movie-ass movie like it is a movie it is it it is ambitions are so much greater to be more than just it has extremely colorful visuals but it's also trying to tell like a moving and interesting story that like allows it to stand up on repeated viewings for like a wider group of ages including adults the mario movie is like 
it's it's there because like look Mario's there and Luigi's there yeah. and it's fine like and I just uh, I I don't know. I feel like people have gone in with the wrong expect like the movie is an absolute home run for its ambitions if you wanted more than that from a movie about Mario moving left to right I don't know what you wanted from a Mario film and that's not me being condescending to like children's <laughs> fair because I watch a lot of it and respect the ones that do do it well. It's just like this is what this movie was always going to be. And actually, the thing that it really fucks up is they, they cast uh, uh, Fred Armisen as Cranky Kong. He fucking sucks. Like, <laughs> he is so he is just it, it's like sometimes when you watch uh, a film with uh, voice acting and this one is like disarmingly bad. Like he appears on the screen and I feel like I'm watching Scratch, like Temp, like, oh, oh, oh they got one of the people of Illumination to like do the voices for this and they uploaded the wrong file. Like it doesn't match the character. He's not entertaining or interesting. Um, whereas, you know, Seth Rogen's not even doing a voice. I think he did an interview where he said, I pitched them on. What if I just do my voice and not a, not a, not a, well, he's got not a cartoon a, voice. Yeah. Right, he does. The little, the little flemmy growl yes. that comes out. The, yeah. Oh, damn. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, and that part, that part is fine, but cranky is, is, is bad. And he has a decent role in the film. So every time he's on screen, you're just like, because he's like trying away. to, he's trying to like do something, but it's he not is. consistent. And it, like it would have been feels... better if he just did his voice. Yeah, because um, at least like his <laughs> default voice is like kind of has a comedic tenor to it. They're like, okay, well that's the Fred Armisen voice. Like, no, this is you don't even sound like you're trying to do. A, a, I don't know what a cranky Kong canonical voice is. I don't necessarily ha- have whatever one that you know was, bank, yeah. banked away. Um, I like the Pratt stuff. Like it just goes away once the movie starts moving um and it's like frankly multiple times in the film it's very clear he could do the voice that people want like more closely wanted him to do and the direction of the film quite literally points him elsewhere so it's like whatever you think of pratt as an actor and there are plenty of reasons to (laughs) toss rocks in his direction but like uh he's capable of doing it the movie just asks him not to um and so, yeah, I, it's a it's a totally entertaining 90 minutes at the theater. I am not shocked that it's completely blowing up. And like I would I would happily see a second one. They they lay a lot of plot threads for where a much more interesting movie could be. It is cynically, I think, 90 minutes to maximize it, the, its replayability in a theater. That is actually part of why films are the way the time length that they are so that you can maximize how often the movie is played during a particular day um before it gets too late especially if you're running a kids film and so um if this movie has moments and character beats especially between like mario and luigi like the mario and luigi stuff is the best thing the movie has going for it and unfortunately the premise is is that these two characters are apart for like most of the running time of the film in the beginning uh like charlie day is awesome as luigi and like him and chris pratt have a really great dynamic it's just that immediately the movie like takes them away from one another and then of course they're reunited at the end and their bits are really funny and like they work really well with one another but the movie like just doesn't give it any room to breathe which is really the the biggest problem i think there's a a movie that would have made a lot of people happier that was still operating at the same wavelength that it's currently at if it was like an hour and 45 minutes like if it just had scenes that just stayed still for an extra beat or two but it's just moving on to to the next thing faster uh, and faster. And so I would hope maybe some sort of inevitable sequel. And, you know, they set one up here yeah. um, in, in the movie, of course. But uh, 
I, I think even what is here would work a lot better. And you see evidence of this action, the illumination stuff, like despicable me too, which is like the second before they get like to the minion spinoffs. Like it's a really great film. And it has like a lot of great character work with the three kids uh, that like, are like illumination is capable of it. Um, I just think That's they were the given thing, a specific right? task and they, they did that task. It's like, are you getting a Minions or are you getting a Despicable Me? Which, like, it's the same franchise, but those are very different types They're of They're very movies. different. <laughs> minions is way more slapstick, and Despicable yes. Me is is way closer to, we want to make, um, like, a movie. Like, Illumination has, like, the same franchise, you know, with, like, which is all just, hey, what are the big mo- the big songs of the last, like, three <laughs> years? How do we make an animated film yeah. wrapped around that? Um Secret Life of Pets, which is just, you know, I mean, they they, they have all of these different quadrants of, of films that are like operating in the same space. But you're right, Kato, that the I think if you just sat down, if any of you watch the Despicable Me films, the first two anyway, you'd be like, oh, like, OK, like those were trying to be movies right. um, yeah. and not just what the Minions movies are, which is just colored images and slapstick humor. And this movie is more on the Minion side, but has all the elements that could be doing more if they like allowed like it a, it a chance to do that um so so I, I i also saw it over the weekend um and i feel like that was the big thing that stuck out to me is just that they set up a lot of things that never get paid off as far as like development with luigi and like you know he's the scaredy cat and like at the end he has a, a, a moment where he like overcomes some fear but like it never gets you expect it to cut back to him back and forth between them a lot more than it ends up doing right yeah it's you like, get like no time you Luigi's get, like, like basically not present in the yeah film. and um, like you can see where you can see where the hour and 45 minute movie was like very clearly yeah. and it's just like it being so close to that almost makes it a little more frustrating it's just like just make that and it would have been still a great kids movie that maybe would have hit a little bit better with the older older people um well, yeah, are, they, I mean, and they because they set a decent emotional founding for mario where it's right. like essentially like the the, the base of the character is you know like his family thinks like he's dragging down his brother he's like pitched as i don't know someone like maybe like in their late 20s that wants to start a business and like strike out on their own and like what does it mean to be sort of like an aimless 20 something that hasn't found a career and your family thinks you're a joke. And it doesn't linger in that. It's not an especially sad mm-hmm. movie, but there's like stuff here for the movie to work with. But more often than not, it chooses to use that as a foundation to just shove them in a pipe as fast as possible. Yeah. Like, I mean, even there's, just, a- you know, the way he connects with Peach, it's like, I don't know, he sneaks into the castle and Peach is like, you want to come with me? And he's like, okay. Like, there's not, like, yeah. there's not an arc to any of the, uh, the relationships, even though uh, the movie has opportunities to to do that kind of thing. There, there's like a you know, there's there's this uh, thought around like good kids movies that can entertain uh, the adults that have to take those kids to those movies as well. Um, like operating on those two levels, where I feel like this one, the attempt that to operate on the level for parents was in reference, right? It was in like, do you remember this thing from the video games that you played as mm-hmm. a child? That's all That's all they're really giving as far as like things that ch- children might miss because they're maybe too young and haven't played some of the yeah, older like a, games. Or a like Wrecking Crew get, hat. Yeah, there's different levels, this, right? Who knows who Spike is? No one, I, I had to look up Spike even. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> there are layers of references. It's yeah. basically like, the, like how, how big of... Like a nerd, are you on this? Yeah. Are you someone that like? Did you notice Paul owned, owned, owned a Nintendo? Pauline yeah. was in the. In the it's like n- no, nobody's gonna remember who that is. But like, she was on there for like a hot second. Hey, so the mayor, from a lore perspective, yeah. Um, the mayor is from New Donk City. Is present in this film, right? 
Isn't that the mayor from New Donk City? Yeah, Pauline. Pauline who so Pauline is like the, the original damsel in like the Donkey Kong games. Right. It's I not know that, Peach, but I, I'm right? saying, I, is it is it being suggested? Because they, they do say Brooklyn. They right? do. Like it, they, and it's Brooklyn. Well, my implication like my thought was like at the end, the worlds kind of fucking like, collide. collide. Does that create New Donk City? I don't know. Oh, so like New Donk City is the result of New York City of and fucking... the fracturing of Mushroom Kingdom and Brooklyn. Yeah. Okay. Because I was wondering <laughs> that's what I would, mar- that's what the, I would this... assume they like are aiming for, right? Because that's oh, okay. As everything... opposed to just Brooklyn has just been sh- shoved as a borough within New Donk City. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, it's just yeah, because Paulino was there, right? Like, like they they set that all up mm-hmm. as like, oh, if you wanted to follow that lore of the New Donk City being a thing, you totally could. Um, it's like that's yeah. where there's normal like, human being. <laughs> also, yeah, yeah. him being short is very funny. Just like, oh, you're so tiny, and then let me give you this mushroom. Like, oh, that's how you did that. He's just like a very, very short man. <laughs> and they make him not like mushrooms. That was that, that uh, made me laugh. Yeah. Like, that was all right. Um, like, and it's also just a movie built around set pieces, right? You yes. can just clearly see like concept artists. Having like you know like when they go to the you know Donkey Kong you know the, uh, the or was it the the Forest Kingdom or whatever whatever it's called um and then they have that whole sequence where they're getting driven up to to Cranky Kong it's like oh like yeah like th- this is a movie tr- how do we get to the next mm-hmm. set piece and but I will say like they're very they're very visually arresting set pieces like it is yeah. a, like delightful I was a movie I wish I'd seen in 3D frankly I don't know what the conversion is huh. like but it's the it's the kind of movie that would have really popped. Uh, in in 3D if if done right, um, you know we just saw it in a regular theater. I don't know if it's like how it looks in IMAX or if it's stretched stretched I just out. Wonder, but it is. I wonder like if anyone who works in the industry knows right in like three because movies are rendered in 3D. Do, does that make the conversion like right easier, or are there tricks that people use to animate things that would if you just like rendered it in 3D? It's like oh, actually that doesn't that doesn't track. <laughs> um, but I would assume I my assumption is like if you know you're gonna make a movie that might be converted in 3D and you're already 3D animating it, like why not mm-hmm. just make it, you know, kind of export that environment the way that it needs to be exported for that? But I don't actually know how those systems work. So no, someone no. let us know. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, it pops. Um, and I was, you know, my my uh, my kids are satisfied. I was satisfied. I don't know that I came out of it being like. I need to see that again, but like, but you will, but but also crucially, that is, that is the bar that you come out of these films is how would I feel if I had to watch this five more times and I would have no problem doing it, which is like, it was, it hit, it hit that threshold just fine. And I wasn't just as an aside, I found myself, I I mentioned on this show before, like I, I don't push video games on my kids. I don't push like the, the IPs that I was interested as a kid on my, like, I just sort of want them to figure it out and, like things, the chips fall where they land on on their interests. Uh, but it was like oddly sort of like emotional to be sitting. And I think this is part of why this movie is going to be as big as it is. Like to be sitting there like with my, you know, six-year-old, like holding her hand when during the time she gets scared because of Bowser. And like, I don't know, just that like weird, like this enormous generational gap between the two of us. And we're sitting here watching this and a smile on both our faces for completely different reasons. Um and that's like, I mean, that's the the shit that Disney, you know, I think Disney cynically exploits and Nintendo less so cynically exploits. But that ability to have an experience with like two giant age gaps is just extremely cool. And I that was that more than anything was the thing that I enjoyed about that moment was like looking around a theater and 
Like you saw a lot of people having a good time, which is not always the case with the kids films that you're, you're being brought to. And it's like, you bring a lot of baggage to this movie, like with your own history and emotion, sort of like with these franchises and this, and this medium. Um, and I, I really enjoyed that part of it. And it's like, I don't, Really, I didn't. I didn't get quite weepy, but like I thought about, it and I was like, "Oh, if I wanted to get weepy, I could right now." I'm going to suppress that. We're not going to do. We're not going to do that right now. Um, <laughs> but I did enjoy that moment with my kids, where it's like, "Oh, I've tried really hard to just let them find their own way," and yet we, here we are uh, with this thing that uh, like runs between the two of us. And I, I really enjoyed that part. Patrick just spinning his weightiest emotions uh, on his finger like it's a basketball. <laughs> just like, <laughs> will it drop? No, it won't. I believe it shall. I believe it shall remain spinning. Do I want to fuck with this right now? No. <laughs> but I could, and it would be healthy and maybe even healing. Uh. Oh yeah, we don't need to. We don't need to talk on the game awards tweet about the. <laughs> Hey, guess where the biggest franchise is on TV and film right now? Video game. No, like, yeah, the, the boosterism uh, gets a little bit. Hard. That, 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 ch- that uh, account does that yeah. constantly. I feel that is deliberate. They are just, you, need, you have to resist the ability, resist responding to that account. It is just, it just exists. It's done because it's done it multiple times. It has done that sort of boosterism uh, uh, tweeting before for games. Yeah, that's. I was just putting. Funny. I was just putting in the chat. I was. I wasn't gonna say anything. I was it, it, there's the there's a vibe of like, uh, it's like when when like uh people doing like missionary work are like, have you heard the good news? And it's like, yeah, I live in America. I know what the good news <laughs> is. Shut the fuck up. And but it's like that, but for video games. Happy <laughs> Easter, everybody. Uh, Ren. Hi. So you have been playing some games. Uh, one I've been very curious about, Everspace 2. Yeah. Oh, shit. I hope this is good. I thought about installing this over the weekend. This is my Please reaction to you. I good. hope this is good. Ren, is Everspace 2 good? Yeah, it's good. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. Was that Ren's Mario voice? <laughs> Yahoo, let's go. Everspace 2 is fine. Um... No, Everspace 2 is good. I mean, like, it is, it is a, it is, okay. The first Everspace released a few years ago and was a first or third person, six degrees of freedom, roguelike space shooter slash flight sim leaning more towards arcadey shooter. Um, in which you are piloting a little ship through a series of systems <laughs> Uh, doing like six degrees of freedom, like movement as you're fighting a bunch of enemies and in dogfights, right? And uh, in, in aerial dogfights in space. Everspace 2 takes that roguelike structure and throws it out the window and replaces it with a more traditional open world uh, campaign structure. Speaking uh, my language, Spe- like a roguelike, overrated, directed campaign, a little bit like Colony Wars. Like, come on, let's go. <laughs> yeah, you can do like. And they they toss it out and they're like, what if there was just like some light trading elements in here for the for the Rob Zachneys of the world? What if you were in a system and it was like, hey, the prices on these clothes and this we got tungsten, (laughs) tungsten here, it's cheap, a little bit low, but if you take it to that system over there. And like the like basic trading mechanics, they're there, they work. Um. 
What if you filled your cargo hull with something that was on discount, and then you're like, oh, no, I don't know where to sell this. And you flew around (laughs) space with a trunk full of shit. And you were like, surely, I bought low. Surely someone will buy it high. No one's buying it high. Those those 43 t-shirts are yours now. Uh, And so... It is a it is a really competent one of these. I played it uh, about three years ago in when it was first releasing in like a early access and like a, a closed alpha. Actually, fun Renata price fact: this was the first piece I ever published uh, was about Everspace Two when I was the intern at Fanbyte. Uh, so this is a this is a full three years uh, full circle uh, oh, on, yeah. on on me and Everspace Two, writing about uh, the way that the railguns feel on that game because they feel very good. Um, and so you play as this military clone who is basically trying to at the at the onset of the game save his friend's life who is in a cryopod while working with this like former military guy, this other former military guy who is like, yeah, I want one, one big job to get me out of the outlaw life and to leave the demilitarized zone uh, of space that the game takes place in. Um, which is very hard to leave because it's a demilitarized zone. Um, and so to do this, you go on like a bunch of campaign missions, which are like very simple, uh, simple objectives, flying through space. The flying feels good. Uh, it has a, again, a, like six degrees of freedom system where you are like, okay, uh, roll, pitch, yaw, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but also like you can do the the very fun space thing of boosting forward, letting go of the thrust, turning around and then boosting the other direction to like fly directly in the direction you're going previously by just what else do i need yeah yeah and like (laughs) that's the dream of space combat to me Uh is is that exact feeling of like cool i'm gonna disable inertia control for just one second to flip around and so this stops feeling like an airplane for a moment and starts feeling like a thing in space um and Uh those moments are really good and work very well it has loot, though, right? A little bit, yeah, yeah, it does. Okay, because that was I, I'd seen that associated with the game, and that was that also can set off some red flags for me in terms of like, okay, what is the the moment to moment? How much am I fiddling with this element of that, and how much does that actually feel as though that's like the core directive of what you're why you're doing what you're doing in the game is no. just to get a slightly better, I don't know, laser or whatever. No, I don't really fuck with loot that much. Like there is okay. a traditional like level up system that's happening, and it's more like you know what are you finding in the world? Do you like that weapon? So like right now, I have a common railgun uh, as one of the things, and like the railguns fire at a delicious 3.5 kilometers and so if you see another ship 3.5 kilometers away they are a goddamn speck and the feeling of landing a shot at 3.5 kilometers and just seeing just a tiny little fireball pop up on your screen is delicious point a Uh, and point b like a common weapon fully charged firing at that range will be perfectly effective Right, like you will, you will get the job done. Uh, I've been playing the game on hard difficulty because I'm an idiot, um, and do that kind of across the board. And like, it has been engaging without me being like, there's not a situation where I'm in a fight and I'm like, the problem here is the gun that I have. The mm-hmm. issue is that like I'm using a common weapon instead of a rare one. Right, that has not been the case really at all. 
Um, and so, you know, that, that side of things is, is working perfectly fine. I think it's a very competent arcade space shooter. Uh, I think that at times it is closer to a, oh God, what is the six degrees of freedom shooter that was released? Descent? Descent. Well, that's an, yeah, Descent is, yeah, that, uh. Descent, you know, you've got like free space. What would that like? Wow, this is like a certain era of like early two thousand shooter that doesn't really exist anymore. Yeah, well, I, I mean, Descent- like free space. So free space is like the the X wing type uh, yeah. series type right. space shooter. Uh, Descent, Descent is-, is a level to level. Like it was, it, it came out of the era like post Doom. Like what else can we put in first person? It's a three D zero G corridor shooter, but like yeah. hyper fast and disorienting as hell. Um, yeah. But there's also like Rebel Galaxy, which is not. Six degrees mm-hmm. of freedom, obviously, that was sort of like it, it faked like there was there was uh like vertical uh m- like plane movement and there there wasn't really. Um so your ship is maneuverable in ways that are not realistic, that's for damn sure, but like you are you can move through extremely tight spaces. That is a thing that this game is going to occasionally ask you to do is to go into the interior of a ship. We love and a like, run. We love a uh, going inside the Death Star too and blowing <laughs> it up. Yes, uh, but it's not in a like I'm going really fast through this space way. It's not like a quick trench run. It's a like, whoop, whoop. Let me just like slide around. Let me like peek around that's this descent. corner. That, I mean, yeah. That's like that's my memories of 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 descent. Is like yeah, you are I'm occasionally like you're zipping like, through something, but huh? I'm getting sold here. Yeah. Well, I've wanted to be. I've I went into this segment wanting to be sold because I have a longing. I don't like space sims. I loved I loved arcade space. So so and- your so Patrick, your kryptonite is the minute it's like balance your energy, uh, like yeah. sources and like does it more to shields, like switch, like manage weapon systems. What? But you, I could you do check I, out. I could do X wing Tie Fighter, right? Like, but that was like rubbing up like it was semi elements without feeling oh. sim dominant. So you know what squadrons. I mean? Like, but but the the like. The colony wars, like the the like Cygnosis era yeah. of like the PS one, like that, that cool. was absolutely my favorite shit. It was basically just like like a third person like action shooter that just happened to be set in space. Like that is the stuff that I miss that they don't really make anymore. Sorry, yeah. Kato, you were you were trying to say something? No, no, I was just mentioning uh, like uh, like squadrons. Did you try that game? I didn't. I I should have. Um, it's like, I did. I did not. It's got that like you know. You have the ability to move things between weapons, shields, and and like boost, and it's just just enough to be like I'm it's a, doing it's a the little, thing. Ooh. But it's yeah, not yeah, like yeah, yeah. a ton of numbers and like yeah. Yes, that's <laughs> like otherwise. Like when I when I try, I remember in the '90s, Rob, I tried really hard to get into Mech Warrior Two. Yeah, and like <sighs> loved the visuals, loved everything about it, and then was just like I cannot manage. Like I keep overheating <laughs> and then I, and then I die. Um, and so it's like in that era of when I had a PC, like I was playing a lot of PC games. Like there were a lot of games like that. And it was like trying to figure out which one like set, you know, sets me up or gets me too far down the, the sim path. Rob, Rob, just the, Rob, come into my corner for a little cycle, mm-hmm. just for a moment. Hey Rob, what if, what if you used that 4090 and got really into elite dangerous? <laughs> I don't think. Well, it's been a while. That's <laughs> yeah, been a while. It's been a while. Like, hey, Rob. Hey, Rob. It's in that game now. Hey, yeah, yeah, you can. Hey, Rob, it's been a while. 
Yeah, it's just it's such a it's such a oh my god, it was like being a it was like being a space uh like last mile delivery worker is kind of how it felt. Like I was mm-hmm. like, I cannot fucking handle this. Where right. it was like I could not it was like look at all the shit you can do and all the ships you can buy, and it's like I can't make enough money to get out of this little corner of the galaxy because I'm just like running between a dozen star systems, uh, picking up scraps. Uh, yep. But you know, I, I you know that was before I had a forty ninety, and it was when I had a worse joystick and throttle. So maybe, 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 maybe. Not only dangerous, yeah. Rob. But this is all to say that Patrick, I think After Space Two is the game for you. It is like it is arcadey in the exact way that I think that you are looking for. But it's also not like every 30 seconds. It's like quick dump that green laser and put this purple legendary laser no. on your ship. No, it's okay. not doing right. that. It feels seconds. like it's running this like night. Like, cause I watched the trailers for Everspace one a lot. It was like, Hmm. And then the roguelike stuff stopped me just because I'm very particular about that structure. And like, I like it, but it's, I don't like it in every game. It's not, I don't find it to be additive necessarily um, to every, every experience. And so as soon as I started reading about the structure of this one, Oh, it doesn't even need to be a good story. Like it doesn't like, like like, that is irrelevant to, to my interests. And and so I was doing like, I was Googling like steam deck performance on this because I got a flight coming up um, on, on Thursday. I was like, "Mm, can I, is this something I could do? And, and it's a perfectly like competent story. It's like totally fine. It's like it's like the performances mm-hmm. are well done. Um, and I, I think it is Arcadian the way that you're looking for. I think that there is a diversity of weapons that feels really good. Um, the it splits it between like kinetic and energy weapons and weapons that have like, you know, that I've I've been using this like, it's like it's like a swarm missile with like targeting systems that like fires once you're within like 1.5 kilometers of something and as long as you like have it relatively in there it just releases this like home uh, like this like swarm of homing energy and lasers that is like extremely sick to watch uh like flit through the air and like go around guys um or alternatively you have like the rail gun and the coil gun which are these like instantly firing you do not need to lead your shots at all like kinetic weapons that feel very satisfying to like land hits with uh because like the railgun fully charged will just instantly destroy a motherfucker but the coil gun is like bop bop but it feels like a it feels like a closer to like a semi-automatic rifle um tied to your spaceship in a way that is like well this is very satisfying Sorry, so um, <laughs> back in the old uh, Lucas Lucas Arts World War II flight sim flight shooter uh, games, one thing that distinguished like a lot of like the German aircraft from the Allied aircraft was like the Germans had this philosophy of putting a um, they'd have the machine guns mounted on the wings, but then they would have like a larger caliber cannon mounted that at a slower rate of fire. And that sounds exactly like the thing where it's yes. like more of a like it's not like bap, 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 it's like Chunk, bop, bop, chunk, bop, chunk, bop, yeah, exactly. Bop. And it's like harder hitting, uh, but like you really want to make those shots count. Yeah, exactly. It is exactly that. And like the diversity of weapons is solid. The moving through space feels good. Um, there are like puzzles. In, like, oh, I have every, an obvious question, but yeah. it's uh, so, you know, sometimes like when you say that something's a shooter, kind of they're going to try to feed you as much 
stuff to shoot as possible like in terms of ammunition but is this like a thing where some weapons are kind of infinite ammo and then some like are you know once that rack is empty you're kind of on your own for the mission you have secondary weapons so secondary okay. weapons have ammo primary weapons just recharge with your ship's energy so you're not like expending you're not right. going to run out of railgun rounds it's just like are you going to spend all of your railgun's energy and let it recharge for a bit right. at which point you have to switch to your other primary weapon to like you know do a fight versus your secondary weapons which is like your missile systems etc 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 where those have ammunition that you have to like restock it is like very very the management aspects are extremely light if you want them to be you can just completely ignore them uh if you're if you really feel like it um or you can like you know actually try and do a bit of uh space trucking to be able to afford like the really nice gun if the idea of affording the really nice gun sounds like a fun fantasy for you which, I mean, as somebody who one of my most formative games was uh, Privateer, which was the spinoff from Wing Commander, uh, where it was like, go be it is my first. Like, ironically, now I, having said, like, I don't really like him, so I'm just a space trucker. Privateer was like, what That's if what you Privateer were in the world was, of Wing Commander? <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. Was, was, who was Free Space then? Was that also? That uh, was an offshoot of Descent, but that was Volition. Really? Yeah, no, like. It's, I guess I, I think I'm mixing up Privateer and Free Space in, in my head. Uh, I thought that was the Wing Commander folks, but I, I defer to you. Um, yeah, no, wildly different. So Privateer sort of ends up pointing in the direction I think Chris Roberts uh, really wanted to go and sort of became obsessed with. Because Privateer oh is set in the Wing Commander universe. Have you have you tried to run, uh, sorry, have you tried to run uh, Star, Star Citizen, Citizen on your new, what, will it finally <laughs> be able playable? <laughs> Uh, Senator wrote in about Star Citizen uh, not that long ago and made some good points, interesting points. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, so Privateer is like in the world of a traditional space shooter series where humans are fighting to death against giant evil cats. Uh, you were playing off in a corner of the galaxy, being the Kilrathi. Yeah, please show some goddamn respect. Hey, I was just, I was wow. trying to, I was for people who maybe don't know about the Kilrathi. I was going to, I was trying to leave the door open. You could, like, maybe if you're curious about, like, oh, m- murderous evil cats, you say. Uh, tell me Mark more Hamill about the Wing in Commander A lot series. of FMV. What? So this is, okay. So Chris Robert, like, what distinguished Wing Commander was that there was a ton of narrative elements to it. And all, mm. it was always, like, presented as if it was, like, a faux movie. But this goes back to, like, uh, pixel art cutscenes and, and such, uh, but they're always like very letterboxed. And so like it was a, you know, military drama aboard like an aircraft carrier for the first game. Uh, second game is sort of following on from that. But then Privateer comes along and it's what if you're in a corner of this galaxy and you're doing like delivery missions and bounty hunting and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And you're you're pursuing an entirely different like uh, threat to to the galaxy out there. And that game was awesome. Like, it was so cool. Where I was like, I'm like in this world that I've only like this like this is it's it's funny now to look at these concepts because they're so basic to games. But at the time, it like blew my mind that Privateer. It was like, wow, this world that I only sort of heard about that was in the background of the Wing Commander games. Now I can go anywhere and do anything in it. 
and what that meant was go to a bunch of identical space stations, take <laughs> like procedurally generated identical missions and go to a different place, do them and then like cash in and like buy bigger gun. And I'd be like, oh, man, now I've got mass driver cannons. So now I'm really going to do some damage. So then Privateer 2 comes along and it's set in a different universe. He just like Chris Roberts, just like, no, Privateer 2 is going to have nothing to do with Wing Command. It's going to be a different like sci-fi <laughs> darkening. setting. Wow. And the Clive darkening. Owen is going to be the star. Privateer 2, The Darkening. That's an incredible subtitle. One of Clive Cast Owen's first. included Clive Owen, mm-hmm. John Hurt. Christopher Walken. Incredible. <laughs> what? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Holy shit. And then project forward far enough. And, uh, you know, then you get to uh, Chris Roberts wanting to make Freelancer. Which is a bit like Wing Commander meets uh, Elite. And then that sort of destroys his studio, uh, Digital <laughs> Anvil. Uh, because he can't make him in the tech of the time. But, you know, maybe in a few years' time, the tech will be there, and that's when he shows back up on Kickstarter with Star Citizen. (laughs) But he's like, but then we're going to make Squadron 42, and it's going to have Mark Hamill and a bunch of stars, and it's going to be like the single-player, you know, entry point to Star Citizen. And here we are today. Never going to happen. It's never going to happen. But meanwhile... Everspace 2 is here, and I think it sounds like all our hearts are open to it. Yeah. It's, it is a fun time. I think you will have a fun time. I think, I think that both Rob and Patrick will sit down and have a nice evening. They'll have a pleasant <laughs> evening with Everspace 2. I'm a huge fan of having pleasant evenings. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I love being mildly diverted. That is yeah. that is my shit. Like if I if I can if I can like if I can shut down a computer or like turn off a game system and I'm like oh, that was indeed amusing. That's a that's a huge dub <laughs> in my in, in it was my indeed. <laughs> well, I I the, the last game that uh, I I almost got tempted by in the same arc was uh, Chorvis. Chorvis. <laughs> Oh boy, chores. Chores. <laughs> um, I, the, mean, again, I we just don't want to try. I just bounced off it so hard. Yes, it's like we yeah. just don't get a lot of games in this mold, like the action space shooter mold. It is, it is a, it is a rarity. It is used to be very popular, or at least popular enough. Well, uh, we will, we will contemplate what else we might find mildly diverting while we take a quick break, and we'll be back after this. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. And we're back. Uh, and hey, remember, Waypoint Plus listeners got get the podcast ad-free. Learn more at waypointplus.com and see how you could have filled that break with nothing but the cool tunes uh, that Kato ins- inserts to, to mark where we took an ad break. Uh, Ren, <laughs> there's another game you've been uh, playing a bit of, uh, Darkest Dungeon, but with a twist. 
Yes, I have been playing the uh, Overhaul mod Black Reliquary, which was released on Steam Early Access as a bes- has its it is a it is a mod with its own bespoke Steam page, which is a thing that happens on Steam sometimes and is usually a sign that like a mod has become acknowledged by a super total conversion. A super total conversion that is recognized by the people who made the base game, right? Like this is like Black Mesa, the massive Half Life mod, uh, the that like basically rebuilds Half Life in the uh, in in sort in like modern source, um, uh, is an example of this. Black, well, Black Reliquary is another, which is a uh, Darkest Dungeon overhaul mod that functions almost like a sequel. Uh, I think I think it feels closer to a sequel than an expansion uh, at, at times and takes the narrative and shifts it from a singular house uh, where, you know, you're investigating the sins of your ancestor and moves it to a like fantasy uh, Middle East uh, and like fantasy uh, desert uh, locale. Uh, and has you investigating, you know, an ancient society uh, or like an ancient civilization of necromancers called the Kavarots, um, who, you know, did dark necromancy. And now you're investigating uh, this section of the world from instead of a hamlet, uh, a massive airship. Uh, and so it takes this, uh, changes to the setting, adds in four new classes if you use all of the add ons. Uh, completely rebalances the base classes uh, and rebalances the base game. uh, And then also like changes some like pretty fundamental design approaches at the core of darkest dungeon in ways that I find um, really interesting, especially with the like upcoming release of darkest dungeon twos 1.0, which is like a very different idea of what a sequel looks like. Um, If, Darkest Dungeon 2 is the let's shift genres sequel that Everspace 2 is to Everspace 1. Then Black Reliquary is the iterative sequel that so many other games will will approach uh, from title to title. And I think that like Black Reliquary is, hey, if you like Darkest Dungeon and you wanted more Darkest Dungeon and kind of a, like, more spiteful, slightly rougher Darkest Dungeon, I think that is Black Reliquary. Uh, and a game that is interested in in offering bigger swings, uh, even than the uh, even than the original. See, as you were saying that, I was throwing myself off that goddamn airship. airship. The minute you're like, but, like, more Darkest Dungeon, but with what a if little meaner? more spite. <laughs> I'm like, nope, no thank you. Which, by the way, it also sounds like then... Darkest Dungeon 2 will definitely not be my jam. But even here, I'm like, oh, I could barely handle the setback. Like, the way that it was like, um, you know, like when you're running up a dune, uh, you know, like the sand, like it, you sort of begin carving away at the dune with your legs. Uh, yeah. You know, it, that was Darkest Dungeon to me, where it's like I'm running as hard as I can and I'm sliding back. So, Rob, let me describe to you a fight that I had in Black Reliquary. I'm moving through a, a short, a short dungeon. I have to go to 20 rooms or like, like 12 rooms. I have to go to 12 rooms to check them out and see what's in there to finish this mission. While I am walking through the hallway, I bump into a group of Kavarots, which are the like necromancer faction. Yeah. 
Um, I want you to, do you remember how long like a standard fight in Darkest Dungeon takes in terms of how many turns it takes? Yeah, we got a decent vibe for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Say a number. Uh, how many turns you think uh that like a, just took. a standard just a standard encounter in yeah. like a random yeah. hallway yeah a hallway encounter yeah yeah god i'm gonna say like man we could have that thing sewed up by six full go rounds of the squad at most like it would not be that many 15 turns and a party <laughs> wipe no oh no <laughs> because the way this faction works is if you leave a corpse up and there is a specific enemy still present, they will res that shit immediately. Even if you took the enemy out that same turn, they will res them even as like a different kind of enemy like that. Um, Wait, so it's like not even they come back as like a low tier zombie. It could be like a real ass kicker comes back. It's not a real ass kicker, but it's not like a trash mob. Um, so for example, like one of the things that was one, the thing that, that wiped me was, um, uh, this like res guy, uh, kept like resing the same corpses over and over again. And it kept resurrecting them as like the, the floating head and the floating head does a, like, I'm going to blow up attack that does like 20 damage to all your guys. Right. And it's a self-destruct. Yeah. That leaves a corpse. What? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that can be instantly That's bullshit. Rezzed. You cannot, you cannot yeah, uh-huh. make the uh-huh. suicide drones corpse. Uh-huh. A resible. A body that can be res- That's rezzed bullshit. Back that into is, a suicide that is bullshit. drone. That I, I hate that philosophically. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. Yeah. And so just 15 turns of Rob, what a perfect metaphor, walking up that motherfucking sand yep. dune, being like, surely my feet won't sink in too deep to the sand this time. Surely. And like, I'm trying to, here's the thing. The thing I should have done in that situation was just kill the guy who was rezzing. But I was like, I need to keep like threat mitigating or I'm going well, that's, to That's get- the dungeon, right? It's always the, this, this one thing in this fight is going to fuck me. This one thing is going to tip the entire balance of the encounter away from me, and i got to get to it. Yeah. But also, if I take my eye off the, like, onslaught that's surrounding me, this thing's going to get away from me fast, and, like, I'm just not going to have the hitting power uh, to deal with it. Exactly. But, but, here is the thing. Where Black Reliquary is significantly meaner to the player, it also allows for a level of synergy and expression that I think that the base game does not. Uh, and, and like, allows for you to do your own really stupid big swings. Um, because one of the things that the game does is it rethinks how trinkets work. Where in the base game, like, trinkets are always, like, pretty light stat buffs. Uh, Occasionally you'll get, like, a special trinket that is, like, class-specific that actually, like, does some real shit. But, like, some real shit is not that much of a change. That is not the case in Black Reliquary, where I was coming across trinkets that would completely change how I approached a given class... 
and would allow me to like fit them into different slots in a party composition where when I found a good party comp, like a truly good party comp, I was devastating uh, enemies en masse in a way that was like deeply, deeply satisfying. Um, Like running with a plague doctor and a grave robber at the same time is incredible because the grave robber has an ability that does extra damage if an enemy is marked and poisoned at the same time. They also have an ability that marks enemies and increases the amount of blight damage they take. Uh, When blight is applied, it increases the size of the stack. And so if you have a grave robber and a plague doctor, grave robber starts by applying the mark that also increases plague, uh, decreases plague resistance. Then the plague doctor actually applies the blight, and then the uh, grave robber gets to do like really solid burst damage the next turn. Um, and like for the subsequent turns. And that feels really good. And like you have these intercharacter combos that play out in ways that I do not think happen as cleanly or as like in a way that feels expressive uh, in the base game. Because I feel like in a, in a lot of base Darkest Dungeon is each character is kind of doing their own thing and their skill sets are not talking to one another in meaningful ways other than like moving positioning around or like doing buffs and debuffs. Um, this is actually one of, I think, one of the real strengths of the second game is that the combat system in Darkest Dungeon 2 is very much combo-oriented, where different characters are, like, bouncing off of one another and, like, doing setups and dunks constantly uh, in, like, an ever-evolving rotation. Uh, and I think that, like, when you're kicking ass in Black Reliquary, it feels better than the base game to 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 be kicking ass. It is mm. just that it is a game that is like that will grind you into the goddamn dirt. Yeah. Um, if you start slipping up. But I mean, dark, it's a, it's a massacre masterpiece. Uh, you know, it's kind of in its DNA. I'm curious. Is there like, there's narration that ties darkest dungeon together. Is this like fully voiced? All yes, this it is. Stuff? Okay. They brought uh, in a new narrator. My next question. Uh, how maybe awkwardly orientalist do we get in places here? Uh, <laughs> Very. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or so, solidly, it's it's. <laughs> this is like my primary point of frustration. Is like the the game isn't being awful. It's not the worst I've ever seen of this. Um, at the like, <sighs> you're also fighting people way more frequently than you do in the base game. Uh, which is basically never. You are very, very, very infrequently fighting people in the base game. Instead, you are primarily fighting, like, gross eldritch monsters. In Black Reliquary, you are very, very frequently fighting different factions of people. Uh, There are two primary factions. The Wildlanders, who are, like, very much based off of, like, classical Conan-esque barbarians. Um... The uh, they're like very clearly based off of yeah. the like same group of people that the uh, in-game Hellion is from. Uh, there is a literal like mechanical reskin uh, of the Hellion in 
uh, the like Wildlander faction. There is also the Levantine Empire, which is just like very much trying to do um like uh, um oh god like like an ottoman empire thing yeah. uh and and very very aggressively doing that and like it, it's not the worst i've ever seen it's i think pretty okay but there are some character designs that are like what what are we doing folks hey hey Hey, what are we? Hey, what are we doing here? Let me just. Uh, da, 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 there's a screenshot button. Not stellar. Um, however, I will say this. I will <laughs> say that the worst, though. No, not the worst. Not the worst by any means. Um, the narrator they got really good. He's yeah. legi- he's legitimately I mean, excellent, uh, and the writing is solid. Yeah, this also comes with the territory, right? This is when you're when you're in sort of the gothic pulpy adventure space, where all, like it's going to skew broad uh, in ways that are going to be uncomfortable, almost inevitably, given the baggage uh, that tends to be deployed around like other cultures. Yeah, uh, in this in the genre, uh, but yeah, it it. Like it was kind of it was the, the concern I had the minute you were like you're kind of you're in a new setting and it's like you know sort of a semi uh, you know uh, Middle Eastern place I was like okay well this could this could go some this could go a direction it sounds like kind of did but uh, you know within what you would expect from a Darkest Dungeon game yeah I would say it is it is it is playing in a little bit messier territory yeah. than even than is it even doing a thing where like. Uh, all people from this place are like bad in your enemies or like no. do some of them crop up in your party as well where it's like you're taking part in an ongoing you know what I mean that like it's not monolithic no it's not monolithic like like the the ship you are on is led by a ex-navy member yeah. of this empire who is like I hey empire right. not for me yeah, exactly. So it's 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 at least not like all right, everybody, put on your pith helmets uh, no. and go. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that sounds that sounds really cool. See, every time every time I encounter Darkest Dungeon one stuff, I'm like, mm-hmm. I should get back to that. I should try that again. And then I think about how mind control broke my fucking spirit. Rob, <laughs> what if I told you they put a mech in Black Reliquary? Uh, Did that do anything? Is it powered by steam. And gears or magic? Uh, the latter. It's powered by like eldritch, eldritch energy stolen from the uh, Necromancer Empire. That. I love it. Yes. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, yeah. And like the, the classes they added. It takes are, up two pretty, slots, right? No. Ooh. It takes up one slot. Uh, the trade off is that the character can, once they turn into it, once they like get in the mech, you only get to do that once per rest, but you can stay in the mech across multiple battles. Okay. You just have to, like, once you get out, you are getting out for a significant period of time. So, like, you are starting as this, like, light ranged character, and then, like, once you're in the mech, you're in the mech for the next couple of battles. Uh, unless you want to go back to the slightly weaker or different functioning uh, ranged character um, in a way that is like, I, I, I think it's cute. I think it's fun. Uh, they also added like two new status effects, which I think are like really interestingly designed uh, because both status effects 
basically put an effect on the enemy that changes what the status effect does depending on what kind of ability the enemy uses. So if they use a buff, it uh, increases the amount of damage they take. And if they do a non-killing attack, it reduces the amount of damage they deal going forward. Uh, For example, uh, the other one is like, uh, if you use a buff, it damages you. If you do an, an attack, it heals the enemy party for a portion of the damage mm. that you're attacked in. Um, and like they're like very cute status effects called amber-lighted and expiated that are tied to um, like a couple of the factions in the world. And like the, each like character interacts with amber light and expiate in unique ways that again add to this like combo potential that I was talking about earlier. And so like I think it is like interestingly, I think it was boldly designed, is what I'll say, from like a gameplay perspective. It sounds awesome though. Uh so yeah, that is Black Reliquary. Uh and you can just like buy that separately. Um oh and there's also a bundle now. So like very officially recognized uh by uh, by Red Hook. Yes, and you cannot buy it separately. The mod is free, but it requires oh. every single DLC to function. And so what they did was they were like, we're going to... Oh, I was to- the DLC, the soundtrack is $9.99, not yes. the game. Okay, that's very cool. Okay. The mod itself is free, but requires it. And then they were like, we're going to make a bundle that will tell you if the game will work or not. Uh, if you can purchase the bundle then you can probably not play the game. You should just get the bundle. So you can actually like play the mod properly uh, because it requires every single DLC to run yeah. correctly. Awesome. Uh, yeah, that, that is almost enough to bring. But then I think about like, I have to get back in those Eldritch Caves and I just, <laughs> I just can't do I it. I think you need to do it though, Rob, for the content. For the like, content. I think you need to think a little bit. You know, really, yourself. it's a management. Rob. It's a sports management game. <laughs> it's, you're drafting your bench. You're you're fielding your squad. You're working your rotation. Who is your Demar Derozan in this? You know, <sighs> just think about it. Like, you're doing a little Bulls playing tournament in a Darkest Dungeon. Think of it that way, Rob. Let's go into the Darkest Dungeon. <laughs> Rob, <laughs> let's enter. go into the Darkest. Let's be a little dungeon. mouse in the little mouse in the Darkest Dungeon. <laughs> Squeak, squeak, squeak. Ooh, I'm chewing these bones in the walls. Oh, no. They had a little bit of an elder god in them. Squeak, squeak. <laughs> Rob, the, the bang, bang, bang is going to take on a different feeling and tone in this context, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so I didn't get to talk about this last week, um, but it was the... So, uh, Kyle and I did a Motorsports Manager stream on Friday, but the night before we streamed... I sort of like hit my moment of I can't handle this temporary desk studio arrangement. I've got to like get the desk closer to the wall. I've got to move things in a, a better position. So it's a little there's a better flow to all of this. And I need to start integrating some of the things that I got to make things even easier. Okay, so someone can t- people can tell me things and they will just lodge in my brain and I'll become fixated on them. Mm. One of the things that got lodged in my brain was Will Smith. Uh, tech pod Will Smith, yeah, not yeah. uh, you know, not that Will the, Smith, not the actor. Um, Will Smith saying that if you're doing a lot of capture card stuff, etc., you got to be careful because, well, like your standard USB A port is rated for thousands and thousands of connects and disconnects. Like those things just keep working through tons of cycles. Mm. HDMI is not. HDMI works for hundreds. 
of you know connects and disconnects which sounds like a lot but if you're doing it frequently it is maybe not and you could just be one of the people who's unlucky and like you sort of loosen or disable the port faster than you would expect Mm. once will said that it just stuck in my head and i was like i need to get an hdmi switcher it like for for the permanent solution around a capture card there needs to be some sort of hdmi switcher in this in the flow so that that is the place that is taking all the like plug and unplug stuff <laughs> and not the device simple accessory a simple accessory but then i got to thinking oh god so like obviously this hdmi switcher has to be able to pass along uh 4k at 120 wow uh-huh. Um, the the prices you were I I went down this road when no. I had to get an HDMI switcher, <laughs> oh, no. Rob. And then no. and then I was thinking, you know, what would be really useful though is if it could feed both like the capture card. But then if I don't want to run through things through the capture card, I could just go straight into the TV without having to mess with anything. Mm. And so really, I would love if it also split the HDMI signal. Yeah. And could pass it to two different destinations. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. This is the thing they do. This is the thing yeah, they do. They do. But so I was like, so it's got to it's got to do 4K 120. Uh, obviously, when you know, that's probably that will hopefully meet the, the G-Sync stuff work. Um, it'll it'll also split the signal. OK, what am I looking at here? Thousands. And indeed, Patrick, I'm looking at a specialty item now. And uh, but I did find one. Uh, it's a it's a difficult space to shop in because all the companies that make this stuff, mm. it's like it looks really fly by night because effectively you're just buying from factories in China, right? Where these things are being fabbed, uh, and like <coughs> the yeah. No, sorry. Continues. Well, yeah. I'll, like I'll come back around to this. <laughs> So, like, where where I was looking at a variety of places, there's, like, pro-grade stuff that's, like, name brand and very expensive. And then there's, like, I don't want to pay those types of – I don't want that. That's not that's not in the budget. <laughs> I want a little exploitation so that the dollar signs go down. How do I – where do I buy that one? <laughs> uh, it's the – well, I mean, it's more like the, the stuff that, like – there's stuff that's clearly, like, for some sort of, like – like TV studios, pro right? studio, like, yes, yeah. This yes, is going to be in a yeah, like production yeah. truck somewhere. I don't need production truck. It's just sit on my little desk, and I need to hit a button. But like the, it's it's more the issue that like there's a whole bunch of stuff that looks good, but like there's no information that I could find about like what company actually makes this, right? Like who is who is creating this this little box that does all these cool things? Who the fuck is making it? And it just comes from a variety of anonymous storefronts, uh, and there's not much about that. And then there's a a lot of options that didn't do quite what I wanted, so it, it took some it took some doing. I, I finally I finally settled uh, on a, a product that seemed pretty cool. I'm sure it's basically built alongside the stuff that didn't have any sort of name brands on it, but uh, you know th- this is at least a company that does a lot of like um, splitter type work in in audio in the audio field. Uh, so I, I went with them. And it showed up really fast. I was I was very pleased. I got the uh, the Ocean Matrix 8K. Uh, it's a it's a two by one by two splitter uh, switcher, and it, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that prohibitively expensive. And I was like, I hope this works out. Cut to me reorganizing my office and plugging all this stuff in, 
And it all puts out to the TV just fine. The capture card can't see anything. Can't like capture cards not getting any feed oh, through anything. No. Mm-hmm. And there's no, I was like, is this HTCP? That's there's what like I was evidence that like HTCP is like more built into the 4090, the, the 40 generation of NVIDIA. Like NVIDIA now is, I guess, getting more HTCP compliant, but like, if that were a big thing, it, like people would have mentioned it more. So that that couldn't be it. But like nothing was coming through. And so I'm sitting there. And to make all this work, I've gotten two new cables with this thing. I'm sitting there and uh, Dreamcado was with me. <laughs> this is all three in the morning. And so uh, like Dreamcado was sorry, there. Sorry, sorry, yes. sorry. What? Sorry, who was it? So while I was doing this, I was I was sort of th- I was sort of frequently asking myself like what would Kato say at this moment? What what would Kato do? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was contemplating these cables. Is this is this real Kato or your your belief? What you want Kato to? It's tell both you. my belief, but also I think Kato would have said this too because I've heard Kato say it. Yeah, what did I, I was say? looking at this cable and I heard Kato say it's never the cable, <laughs> except sometimes it's sometimes the cable. it is. And so I just got down. And every time you do this, I'm getting back under the desk, like switching a bunch of things out. Uh Because the whole uh point was to move things out of the way in a nice, like, cleaned up, cleaned up manner. And I start just plugging things and unplugging them. And I take the entire switcher out of the signal flow, et cetera. And now the now the the capture card is working, as you'd expect. Uh Okay, so maybe it's Uh the switcher, but like, let's try it back in. And through some dark ritual yeah. of it was like because the <laughs> devices talked directly to the capture card and the capture card spoke directly to them, like some sort of handshake took place. When I plugged the cables back into the switcher, suddenly everything worked and it wasn't the cables. It was just <laughs> some sort of like handshake thing hadn't fired. Uh huh. I mean, yeah. I mean, this happens in my basics, like my yeah. capture card in OBS, like I'll, op- I'll open up and mine's just a dinky little, you know, uh, a box that I run through. I'll open OBS and it's a coin flip on whether that signal is going to show up. And all I do is close OBS, turn it back on. I don't know what the shake. I don't like at that point why yeah. it wouldn't want to see it. But like and it's not like deactivate the device, turn it back on. No, it's close OBS, open OBS. And then poof, like there's the the, the feed has, mm-hmm. has appeared. But, like, all this process was, like, 90 minutes Uh, of, like, restarting things, trying different cables, swapping. And at the end, it all started working beautifully. Like, the setup worked exactly as I intended. Nice. Which is awesome. I was like, this this thing is incredibly cool. Uh, When I unplug the capture card from it, it passes through uh, the 120 frames per second. The capture card is now the, the bottleneck on this. If it's in the flow... Uh, it's going to turn off G-Sync and it's going to turn off 4K 120. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it is out of the flow, Wait. it passes all that stuff through. So is it not a splitter too? Where are you splitting to now? It's splitting. So it is splitting to both the TV mm-hmm. and to the capture card. Right. Uh, the TV can still pull from the capture card uh, if it wants. Uh, though There's no point to doing that. Um, maybe that's the issue that it's that's plugged into the capture card out. Um, maybe that's it. I could try that, but like, <laughs> but my my suspicion, I don't know. I'll, that's a good point because like, what is happening is when the capture card is part of the flow, uh-huh. 
uh, I lose G-Sync. I lose 4K 120. Um, huh. And it goes to 4K at 60, which is like, you know, it's fine, but it's clearly not. It's 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 not like and that's not G-Sync's the real loss. That's there, not using the, not using not using the pass through, but using the, the switcher. Right. Because uh, because your capture card has a pass through. Right. Yes. And so that's still plugged in, but you're not using it. Right. And you're saying I should unplug it from the uh, yeah, card pass through. Okay. Yeah. Just to see. Sometimes these things are yeah. weird, right? They, they, they like they do the handshake with one uh, device. And even if it's the same device, but through a different like method, like it might still it might. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'll, I'll give that a try. But, but the, the main point is like it was 90 minutes, two hours yeah. of toggling stuff trying stuff and like yeah patrick like to your point like it's just rituals Mm -hmm. it's like there was no there was no like ah i fixed it i know what i did it was like you feel worse at the end of it it's order of operations you're glad it worked but yeah yeah maybe it it might be as specific as that where like actually rob you didn't come out of it there you actually did a thing in the correct order but it's like this is me doing puzzles and video games is just like and like let's hope that lines up when we get through it because i fucking hate doing this but it was like like resident evil 4 is full of sliding block and like these like you know very resident like i feel like what you did oh i know about sliding blocks (laughs) we'll get there sliding statues is is me doing those puzzles in these types of games where i give it about five minutes before i'm just moving them around until I hope it arrives at the shape that makes the game give me the shiny jewel that I can sell to the vendor. And you did that. And, but unfortunately you came out the other side, not being like, if it flickers, you're not going to necessarily be able to reproduce other than just time to unplug it and plug it back in. Cause I think what's, I feel like where this is all going is you opening one of your fancy notebooks, taking an entire day off of work and creating flow charts. Yes. It's happened before. It yeah. will happen again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the funny, so the other thing is, again, what we like should this do is, is fly Kato out, stream that somehow. <laughs> Bring another PC to stream you figuring yeah. out the cable uh-huh. flow on your PC. If you think people wouldn't watch that, I am here okay. to tell you you are wrong. <laughs> I shouldn't get rid of the old standing desk then. I should put it back together yeah. and I should have a little like Kato corner uh, <laughs> so that. When yeah. Kato isn't here, Dream Kato can be there. Yeah. And like offering me guidance as like can a force ghost. Stand, can print Rob, out a much, little stand up. How much did you end up spending on this thing? Oh, this uh, switcher splitter thing? Yeah. It's like 100 bucks. Okay. That's fine. Yeah, no, like I, like the 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 pro grade stuff the, there's no upper scale there's no upper end to it, right? Like there's three whatever you want to spend like things yeah. that you can you can do do this. Uh, but I was like, I just want a little tiny box that, uh, that, that does this, this doesn't have, there is a remote that comes with a lot of electronics like this that I've just, I associate with shitty build quality. And as long as it did not have that remote, I was going to be happy. Um, <laughs> it's like the, like the, this remote is like the mark of Kane, where it's like, if they use that remote, which is a very basic standard default, the odds of there being other things that are going to get fucked up real soon, uh, to me. Like increase tenfold. Is it similar to the remote that we have for our HDMI switcher in the in-person setup? Is it is it a tiny little like palm size or, or smaller like little white uh flat block? Yeah, hold on. It's this. Yeah. Here's here's it that little remote. 
that tiny no. remote next to it. Okay, no, it's, that's a that's that's a good remote. That is that okay. is a, this one has you know, like you little this one nubbin buttons. Yes, the nubbin uh, buttons. Yeah. Oh, hate those fuckers. Anyway, <laughs> so the other thing is, naturally, I decided to do all this in the middle of the night. So this is me stripping this entire desk, moving it by myself across, like deeper into the room, putting it all back together, thinking deeply about like what is the perfect way to have all this stuff arranged, and then hemming and hawing about that. And the whole process takes about like five hours. And it's a little different than it had been before. But those little differences made huge differences. It was like, it's, it's, it's way nicer now, but now I'm tired and I'm sweaty and I'm angry. <laughs> uh, the, but the, the, the kicker to this was, uh, you know, in the, in the process of, of doing all this, I also come to terms with the fact I had had a dream of it will be so tidy here. The cables will be better managed. I will, you know, with space to work, I'll really have a beautifully, you know, put together setup. Uh, you built a studio. Like, yeah. What was your expectation there? I know. I know. <laughs> I, I figured I could do better, though. But like, I was just like <laughs> I was lying there under the desk with like twist ties, <sighs> and zip ties and the little like cable management trays. And I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I'm just, just let it go. I just don't look I down just there. Stuck some stuff through grommet holes. Yeah, Grom, you use t- the grommets. You're already like, you know, eighty percent of the way there. That's fine. That's great. That's enough. That's enough. You use uh, con- the grommets. I contemplated the horrible little decisions the task the tasker did for TaskRabbit. Uh the little per, the little the little mm. desk hook that uh they decided should be located in like basically like right in front of you where you sit. Uh because you know who doesn't want to have something tucked against their belly as they work uh resting in their lap. Uh who does- <laughs> Lots of little weird choices uh, made, stuff I'm gonna have to unscrew. Uh, but you know, at the at the end of at the end of all of this, uh, a couple more things developed. The capture PC now doesn't turn off. Uh, you what? turn it, 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 it when you hit shutdown. Uh-huh. It, it, it appears to shut down, but like it's clearly still drawing power, and uh, it is like in sort of an idle mode. And when you push down on the power button and hold for 10 seconds, rather than cutting off entirely now, it reboots. What? Can you do, is there like a switch in the back that you can just no. flick? No. It you doesn't have, have a little... Switch, which is very odd, but it doesn't doesn't have one. Oh. Uh, I was like, yeah, because like in my newer, my newer one, it has like the button in the front, but then it still has a like a hard binary switch. How can you tell it's still drawing power? Uh, The ups. Oh, the ups will tell you. Yeah, it, it like it, when when everything is truly turned off, like the power draw on the ups is like two uh, percent of load. When the capture PC is like idling, it's twenty. Uh, what and a, it never drops. What a, what a OS are you running in there? Windows ten. Okay, uh, that should turn but, off. <laughs> yeah, this is all the capture PC is haunted, and it, like it works, <laughs> but it's clear like something's up with the motherboard or the power supply or the relationship mm. between the two. And people are like, well, why didn't you just fix them? 
And it's like, because those are the two hearts that, like, the, those two things are like the whole, you're going to have to pull the entire fucker apart yeah. and, and deal with it. Yeah. Uh, so, capture PC, cool new, cool new issue. But the, uh, the big thing, the thing I'm really on the fence about now is this OLED flex situation. You're not on the fence. You just haven't accepted the decision that you already know you need to make. I'm... I'm not 100% sure. So my head is telling me this is not a cost-effective purchase. I should return it. Mm-hmm. The speakers suck. The buy, like they, there they're, there it is. That's something that needed to happen. So <laughs> we needed some audio issues. That'll, that'll get that TV returned quick. This is, the, this is Rob, like, the, could, do the speakers actually suck? We have no idea. This is Rob working <laughs> his way towards emotional no, they, acceptance. They suck. They're, they're incredibly sibilant. Like, MK noticed immediately. She's like, this is kind of tinny. This sounds like just regular one, I don't TV trust speakers. MK either. Like, <laughs> now we need to hire a neutral arbiter yeah. to actually give us information on what's happening in this household. Because at this point, we have now enough information that, like, both of you are in cahoots. So, I, I cahoots. just... Anyway, continue. I'm yeah, sure it's called a successful it. marriage, Patrick. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, we're in cahoots. Also known as love and support. <laughs> Yeah, unconditional, never-ending love and support. That's that, yeah, uh-huh. keep, keep going. Uh, so like, so yeah, I am left with when I when I got this thing, it was like it was expensive as hell, but it was like going to check a lot of boxes successfully and like ultimately simplify a lot of things. That's not true. What I have now is a TV screen that bends. Mm-hmm. That's like that. That's it. Like it's the it is it is like special product that is like we're going to take a standard tv screen but we're going to make it flexible and it will do that but god help me i love the flex (laughs) i love it like it is so to help make my decision i spent a lot of this weekend uh playing it just in flat mode uh so that i you know just to get a sense of how different that feels it is noticeable, like the at desktop distances, like the difference between the, the flat and curved is like noticeable. Like it, that is that that is a real thing. And so the weird, like the the weird place I'm in with this is, uh, it's a very silly device, and it's I- incredibly niche. But I may still be in that niche, Patrick. I agree, Mina. <laughs> yeah. Nina knows what's yeah, up. Yeah, that, that was that was no, that, that was, was someone that was bark. that, that was, was someone in bark. that house yelling bullshit. <laughs> no, that that was that was Mina like woofing her approval. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I don't know. It's um, it is like I wouldn't have bought it. You know what I mean? It's like it's one of those situations where like if I had known that it didn't check all these boxes, I wouldn't have bought it. But the flex <laughs> this is called regret. Feature. And this is where people send a device back. Like, so it doesn't do what I want. I could get something that got 95% of the way there. And then maybe something else will come across the market and I could use the money, the difference between those two purchases. And like, I could repurpose this display in some other way, but no, you're this, this is the arrested development. Like meme. like, you know, is it working for other people? No, it's, you know, but it might work for me. See, this is like nobody can, nobody will ever believe me about the curve. That's like nobody will ever never, nobody will ever believe like that it, that it like absolutely owns, but it does. <laughs> uh huh. Have you had to find a, a a voice of support that doesn't live within your 
<laughs> the structure that you sleep in. Every everyone else is raising an eyebrow, but you know what? The only one that matters is the one that loves you, Rob. Um, and so, I mean, who am I to argue with that? It's true. I'm. I, I you know, I have. I have till Friday to make up my mind. You're uh, not sending that back. Oh not a chance. God. Not a chance. Oh Between how difficult you've described wow, how, how it's going to be, you okay, are going to spend. There's, there's the thing. You've also hit on the other thing. You, you're going to make two podcasts explaining why this was going to be a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Did you keep so your task rabbit to pack up your monitor? Oh, I kept. I kept. Uh, oh, the minute I took this out, I was like, I better keep this box. This yeah. doesn't work out. Yeah. Um. But like, it is. It is enormous because it. It's not a flat screen. It's got a whole like built on housing there's no assembly required it just comes in its little in its little case with its little motors uh and so yeah it's a it's a absurd situation uh but yeah i'm still trying to figure out what i'm gonna only this do could have been predicted Pardon? yeah no no one if, could have seen it coming if, right? if only true. this could have been predicted mm-hmm. if only if only this could have been no. supposed <sighs> well you got you know you gotta at least see whether or not the perfect thing exists. What are those? Um, what are those? What is that? Uh, theater system where the seats move. Four DX. Four DX. We need to get you a four DX chair, and then you can so recreate. The- uh, that fucking what is it called? Soren. You ever been on that fucking Disneyland ride? It has a giant curved screen so that it looks like, uh, you know, it's just your viewpoint. But mm. you can fly through the air, and then you can return it. Then you'll have then you'll have done everything you can with that with that screen. I mean, kind of you laugh, but I I I have sent an email. the The forty X people yeah? are trying to produce a consumer. Oh 40X my god! Oh, oh, god. And at the bottom of the email, it was like you know, in theory, at some point, sample units would be available. And I wait, said, what's this forty X chair? What's yes, it do? Please. Well, forty X is a a uh, high end movie. Well, high end maybe. On the pricing spectrum, I don't know how people would feel about it, but it's just an evolution of the we're going to uh, blow wind in your face, spray you with water like you can. I don't know if it does smell, but it like moves. Right. So I've, I've had friends that have gone to see like a new Fast and Furious in it. They're like it fucking slaps like it's like it's so it's like so stupid and ridiculous. But it's like being on a roller coaster while watching a film. Um <laughs> There is one of them near-ish God. us, and I've never managed to line up like movie that would be fun to do that with, and and having and having done it. Um, but um, if only ex- they were at some point. They announced it like at CES. That, but the problem is, you announce something at CES doesn't mean that it's going to happen. Yeah. But they and they said they were going to try and produce like a gamer chair with the 4DX oh tech God. Um, and do some partnerships with different game. And like, I, I'm a, I'm a big gimmick person. Like, I, I don't know. If I'm going to spend them. Like I'll take your sample. I don't know. that I'll buy it, but like, you know, if 4DX wants to send me a, a gamer chair so that I can have water spritzed in my face while I uh, play resident evil. Uh, I, I think I would sign up for the privilege. I only ever experienced it once when they were doing early demos around I forget what it was. One of the later Pirate of the Caribbean movies, mm. um, and I um the 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 quickness with which I felt sick because it was like <laughs> you know they're pirates they're on the seas so they went full tilt on a like rocking you're on the ocean motion in the chair yes. and I was like yes. I could not make it through a whole movie of this. <laughs> That's, are you no are you an, are you nauseous by nature or did not it, like, even did it trigger it? Not okay. even. I think I've been on a, I've been nauseous on a boat. Does like VR a few make times. you nauseous? 
Uh, it depends a lot on what it is. Uh, okay. Like half like Alex, I believe would probably make me nauseous, but something more colorful. Mm. I don't know. I, I get, I've never finished Half-Life 2 because I get to and just past the uh, airboat section. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm, I, I leave that session where I play that feeling sick. I don't know what it is, okay. but I play like other games that are like, I don't know. It, it's just, it's like a certain palette a certain type of reticle or lack thereof of reticle and I will get mm-hmm. nauseous, but it's, it's, it's kind of rare. So like, you know, I've been on boats and have been fine. Uh, I've been on, oh, that's a, funny. I've been on a boat and got sick, but then I've been on boats mm. the rest of my life and been fine. Um, yeah, but this got me, this was like, Oh, I don't want to, <laughs> it was like a minute like demo that they had just like in the lobby of the theater. I was like, Absolutely I don't want to watch no. anything. Well, also, <laughs> <40X>. <laughs> I'm trying to keep my eye focused on the screen and you're like, right. Whoa. <laughs> no, thank you. This is not, this is, it's like, it's like, we're trying to recreate the experience of trying to read in a car. Uh, yes. Which is like that. That is my kryptonite. Like, I'm not generally a person prone to like motion sickness, mm. but like I will feel like shit if I'm reading in a car. Um, yeah. It yeah. just doesn't that 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 doesn't that doesn't go well for me. Uh, speaking of things that didn't go well for me uh, to sort of try to come to grips with the setup and see how I felt about the screen. I decided to play a bunch of uh, really get stuck into Fortnite and Hunt Showdown. Wow. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> how'd that go? Not good, not good. Uh, I am. I'm. I'm a little bit of a panicker. Sure. Uh, I, I. I am. I'm a little you? bit. I get a bit overwhelmed uh, sometimes when when all hell breaks loose. Um, sometimes I forget that you know I have a bunch of other items and weapons that I can switch to rather than like uh, you know try to reload this thing in a close range encounter. Um, mm, yeah. So there's a bit of that, but like. I guess Fortnite just had a major graphics update. Uh, yeah, it, we talked about it. Like, yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think when we revisited the game with Natalie, a bunch of that stuff had had rolled out. I'm not sure. Is the new one more recent than that? Uh, they did. Some, maybe. I mean, they're always doing shit to yeah. that game. So I would, I would, I would there believe was, you. There also, was Rob, the, you need you need to you need to pass. download a report back on the Cyberpunk update. Um, I do. That is going live. I do. Um, that no, is, so, uh, supposed to bring your card to its knees, but it's essentially a peek at like what our games are going to look like, you know, five, ten years from now. So Fortnite added a bunch of ray tracing shit in December is what mm-hmm. it looks uh-huh. like. Um, but it it is like, you know, it it, it is kind of like, holy shit. Now I tr- now I am basically inhabiting like it's it's like it's like Patrick, if you got pulled in the fucking Mario movie. Yeah, it's live action it, cartoon. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, like the art's great. I've like come around on the Fortnite art quite oh, yeah. a bit, so I'm not I'm not shocked that like given spiffy things like lighting that you that, that really I bet it shines quicker in a game like that than yeah. it does in like as we've seen developers try and figure out how does ray tracing work in a you know these semi realistic shooters like a Metro's and Cyberpunk. Like it seems like that has taken longer to show anything that is distinctly impressive immediately to the eyes. Not shocking that it would be like a little quicker with something that is more akin to an animated film. Yeah. Uh, but I will also say like kind of exhausting to look at as well in the way of like an animated film where it's like, <laughs> wow, like everything is just 
fully shiny. saturated and like glowing. Um, and I cannot, it was like, some of this is a bit on Twitter, but it's like, you know, in the, the TV demo rooms, they always have fucking videos like tropical fish yeah. and shit, like, like floating around, like nature videos of, of, uh, everything punched up, uh, you know, to 11. And it's like always tropical fish or something like that. That's what this game looks like is you are just, it, it is like tr- tropical fish demo loop, the game. Uh, and it like looks really good. And then after a certain point, I'm like, you know, desaturated tones have a lot to recommend them too. who doesn't love a good grayscale. Uh, Cause it is, it is a bit, it is a bit overwhelming. Um, Hunt showdown. That game, it's an older game now. And uh, when you punch everything up, you start really reacting to things like, is that a person or is that, aliasing <laughs> or is that is that is that texture pop in uh but i uh i didn't do myself proud and i think i might have ruined galt's day when i was what, playing the other day what resolution i'm gonna have to text him about that what resolution were you playing on uh 4k how large was the screen 42 inches Was the problem the anti-aliasing, Rob, or the or that fact was, that like, you were playing on a 42-inch screen inches from your face so you were seeing ghosts? I don't think the game was artifacting. I think your brain was. <laughs> Who's to say? Have you considered this? Who's to say? Look, maybe you're right. You're right, Ren. Is it possible that my setup is so good uh, that I am seeing things to which, uh, like, mankind was not meant to see? <laughs> Mm. Yes, like am I seeing secrets that <laughs> we were not meant to be privy to? I agree. I agree. Human eyes. And I were think not that's made and I think this. that's you know what? And that's why I that's why I sucked. I was so overwhelmed by that. Uh that mm. I was just like it was like every time someone burst through the brush, I had my own eldritch horror moment of like, ah, oh, the ancient evils have awakened, except it's a dude in a top hat with a rifle. It would kill me. <laughs> But Why? I like Galt was Galt is very good. Matthew Galt is very good at Hunt Showdown, plays a lot of Hunt Showdown, has like hundreds, thousands of hours in it. I have not that many hours in it, and I don't play it for long periods. And I was like, I just try and test the setup, trying to come to grips with it. Uh, <laughs> Rob, Rob coming into the swamp like Shrek, like, like, like bang, bang. <laughs> so we were just getting worked and i was like galt what i really need to do is i just need to get into some scraps like we're we're getting killed at the bounties every time i need to start like shooting people and just getting into fights and so there's a long a long telling pause yeah we could play like that (laughs) it's not normally how i like to play uh but yeah no i understand where you're coming from and Galt, being a saint, like, was my wingman for a session of Hunt Showdown where, like, this is a game where you don't shoot the zombies. You try to stay silent. You try to, like, stealthily Rob, approach all times. The zombies. I was just like, bang. Uh, yeah, no, I, I was I was basically, I was calling, I was calling out other squads, uh, you know, shooting zombies, shooting dogs, uh, <laughs> shooting the 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 big the big brutes uh and then we get in you know it turns out when when you're just like shooting off guns all the time many squads come 
uh, to check out what's going on. And so we got in huge cat of gunfights. And uh-huh. uh, how'd those go? Real badly, real badly. Um, but I got what I needed out of it, which was a lot of like hands-on like combat experience. Like mm-hmm. I was starting to do much better in the fights. I was landing a lot more shots. Uh, I was still like really having trouble nailing those headshots, like bring guys down one, but I was like consistently picking people off. Uh, so I was, I was getting better, but the problem was I wasn't helping Galt get better. Galt was like fully wasting his afternoon uh, while I was like turning hunt into a tutorial mode with, with him sort of held hostage alongside me. I felt very I've, bad. I've sent, I've sent Galt a message. I will, I will tell people if, if, it, if I get an answer during the course of this episode, uh, what did Rob do to your ELO? Did you drop a star? Uh, so we should know, um, if I, if I learn by the end of this recording, I will, I will pass the information along. Uh, yeah, it was. And then at the end, Galt was like, you know, there is another mode you could play that I think is maybe more what you're looking for. Quick battle mode is probably where you want to go. Obviously, play that by yourself. Uh, <laughs> you just kind of get dumped in with random weapons and you, there's a lot more action. It's like we dropped Rob off at daycare. <laughs> <laughs> that's very much it. it was like finishing the hunt show. It's like, you know, that's this was great. I think you should go play this other mode. That's exactly what you need. And leave me alone. This is like when I tell my youngest she's going to school. It's like, no, you're going to daycare. But she likes thinking at school. And this is what happened with Galt. It's like, okay, Rob, I think what you need, what you need, go. You need to go to school over here. And it's school. You're gonna learn stuff. Quick battles. Quickly, you're gonna battle, and quickly, you're gonna learn things. Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, Galt was Galt was very patient. Uh, it is a as he always is. As uh, yeah, as he is. I, but I, like to be fair, I was right. Like I was not getting better in the uh, regular mode because the encounters we were getting was we get to the bounty and then you'd always end up in a siege, right? Where it's always like you're being stalked by another team that's like right outside the door. Yeah, it's great. And, and so it was real. Yeah, but it's like it's not a lot of running fight. You're not taking a lot of shots. Uh, it's it's all just like you're gonna have a brief like reflex shot at the end of this and it's going to go one way or the other. And that's kind of it. Uh, so that was, that was kind of, it was like not enough reps uh, to, mm-hmm. to sort of build up the, the proficiency. So Rob, I do have a question. Yeah. It, w- was the problem, the accuracy or was the problem, the game feel? Uh, Game feel, game sense, probably more. Um, it was the, there were a lot of places where like I should have immediately, I should like in both Fortnite and this, I need to think a lot more about like what are the other tools in the tool chest right now? Like it, there's a lot of moments where it's like, don't try to shoot this guy, toss a grenade. You know, that's that like, that is what you should do. Uh, remember that you have that, chuck it and like sort of change the nature of the battle that way rather than just shoot it out. So that was kind of it. In- interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, because that was, you know, it, it felt good. Uh, accuracy was was okay. I need to get better at, like, you know, actually landing the headshot rather than, like, you know, playing it safe and going for center mass. But beyond that, uh, it, the the big thing, especially in those in those fights where we were sort of, like, hold up around a, a bounty objective in, in Hunt, uh, it was there's times where, like, I have tools to flush people out and I wasn't using them. And I would instead 
just sort of get in that mode where it's like we're both going to turn a corner. We're both going to let fly and we're going to see what happens. Mm-hmm. But in my defense, look, not to throw Galt under the bus here. <laughs> no, Ren, do not. Ren, stop typing what you're typing. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I am just saying. Golf commented <laughs> that he was also not having the best luck. It's a team game, right? Sorry. Sorry. It, it is a team game, but there were a lot of moments where Galt was like, I'm going to, I'm going to go out and check that. I'm going to, I'm going to go out and try to get a look at these guys. This is, and he would Robbie, go out I and then I hear bang. I cannot believe you were resorting it's, to sorry, this. Sorry, 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 sorry. Um, I just want to, I have an no! answer to this. We do not need to know this. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say, I, listen, if you don't want me to say that, if you don't want me to say it, I won't say it. Say However, it. Say it. Say it. Hunt Showdown has a five-star ELO system, which determines your placement uh, amongst the player base. Um, Let me just pull up the player distribution, just so uh, Hunt Player Distribution Stars. Enter. MMR Star Distribution. Click Copy Image. Paste Image. So, uh, the average player uh, in Hunt Showdown is a four-star player out of six. Uh, that is where the vast majority of players are. Then three stars, then two stars, then one stars. Galt is traditionally a four to four and a half star player. I've received information that he went from a high five to a high three over the course of that session. <laughs> <laughs> which if you look here is oh, taking wow. him from yeah. about 3000 uh <laughs> to about 2700 uh 2300 in terms of MMR placement for our dearest Matthew Galt and 5000 hunt dollars worth of equipment which is mm. um uh, an astounding drop. Okay, so Galt was very generous. Galt was very generous. Galt did uh, you a great kindness. Galt took me to a like. Galt taught me driving on his like Ferrari, effectively. <laughs> so yeah, I I didn't uh, I could have I could have done better there, uh, but you know I, like again, Galt didn't have his his best day either. That much was clear. I, I I will say I did just get a text that said it wasn't all Rob. <laughs> See, That's just gulping See? nice again. You cannot take advantage of a person like this. We've done an entire segment of you finding ways to explain away your choices, and I'm not going to let you do this one. Someone has to stand up for Galt. Yes. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm the line hang, is here. I'm going to hang out with Galt in the swamp tonight. <laughs> Galt and I are going to go swamping. Uh, so you know. I also I also have to say though, um, so I thought something that I could blame Patrick for. Yeah. Okay. Actually, I can't. Bl- you cannot blame me for playing uh, the game that came out several years ago, even though the sequel is out now. That's not on me. That's your choice. But I played it. I think I was maybe too conservative uh, with. I took the wrong conclusions uh, and. Um, you kind of agreed with them, but basically I just was like, I was not engaging zombies very much in resident mm-hmm. e- in the police station. Uh, I was like hoarding ammo, et cetera. And so 
Time to run the other way. Mr. X, or just run past them a lot. Um, But Mr. X shows up and that is a whole situation, right? Like time to clear the decks. We need some more running paths. Well, this is the problem. There were no, there were no clear paths. Uh, There were so many halls now just infested uh, with, with zombies. And I didn't have time to clear them out because Mr. X was always like on my ass. Mm hmm. And so I played through the end of the police station sequence, uh, basically running in terror from Mr. X while trying to do my various quests. And in that process, I never managed to like their place in the in the police station. I never managed to get to, including. I got like the USB stick that lets you, I assume, unlock the stars armory. It's like a little yeah. badge with a trick uh, USB thing on it. I never could make it to the stars armory because the halls were filled with zombies. And then the shortcut had a bunch of liquors between the liquors me and the, nightmare, yeah. and I had no shotgun ammo left. None. Uh, and because at a certain point to, to, to deal with the library where you have to move the bookshelves, mm-hmm. I really quickly needed to get zombies off of me. And so I shotgunned them. Uh, to make space and keep uh, to keep running from from Mr. X, and that was all my shotgun ammo. And then when I ran into liquors later, like I'm not getting those things with pistols. That's just not no, happening. Well, you, you end up wasting all of your ammo trying just trying just trying to do that. Does the knife is like a is the, is the knife effective in RE2? I can't remember. It has it a isn't very. It, so it it breaks a hold, but it doesn't really it doesn't kill what's what's holding you it just knocks mm. them back and gotcha. gives you a chance to like line up a shot and so i like i kept thinking at some point i will this this mr x madness will end and i'll get to like complete my exploration of the police station uh that didn't happen i was like okay i'm sure like i'm gonna go down to the jails and deal with this bullshit with no ammo with no ammo and I was like, I don't know how this is going to play out because the, I can see the jail cells are filled with zombies. I can see that. <laughs> and I have less I think than you, get a to, you, you mostly run by them, right? If I remember that sequence. Yes, like, but the way you get out, uh, Mr. X blocks your other escape. Yes. And so you have to do sort of a juke around Mr. X. <laughs> yeah. But then as you're trying to make your escape, there's still zombies in that hall. There's like three mm-hmm. in that hall. Uh, and... I only like I died many times trying to get through the sequence. Uh, finally, I was like, did the whole this works in Resident Evil because this is how the game works. Time freezes when you're in inventory. Did the whole like, ah, I was mobbed by zombies and had a whole huge bites taken out of me. Enter the inventory, do the little spray, First continue aid, yeah. running, get grabbed by two more zombies. But this time I'm through a brick clear. And at that point, uh, trench coat FBI lady Ada shows up uh, like a, a, a pouty Audrey Hepburn and she saves your ass again. She maybe kills Mr. X by hitting him with a truck that then explodes. And then we left the police station and I was like, I think there was stuff back there. Cause <laughs> there the game was giving me random red. ammo. There are rooms right that left. are red. There's rooms that are red, and I have, like, a ton of ammunition for a Magnum. And I have not seen a Magnum. My assumption is it's in that fucking Star's Armory, which I didn't get to go to because I literally physically couldn't. And I think if I had, 
if earlier in the game I killed more zombies and cleared these hallways a little more effectively, I could have made it. I don't remember where I got the badge from. I don't remember if Mr. X had already shown up by then or if I just didn't beeline directly to the, the armory. But like the armory and the weapons locker, I didn't fully uh, extract everything from. I didn't open every safe. And I feel like game changing things were in there and I didn't get hold of them. And I'm like, do I restore an older save to try and like complete the police station? Probably not okay because I can't the handle them. Um, uh, and if you, you 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 run a risk of like stalling your progress entirely. I think if you try and min max yeah. uh, that that again, I, the 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 tricky thing about the uh, how you unlock the Magnum is usually in games, uh, and especially Resident Evil games. Like if um, so when you insert, you have to like you know you you have to use the item on something in order yeah. for it to you know to to unlock the armory. But the game doesn't put it back in your inventory. But it's not a one-time use item. So usually when the game doesn't give it back to you automatically, you just assume that, okay, well, if the game has taken it from me and not put it back in the inventory, it's just meant to be inserted there. Oh, this is a bit like the bell puzzle where there's a gear you have to use twice. Well, it's more that, like, what I'm telling you is your, your little USB thing will not go to complete waste. There are other places to use it in the game to get, I think, different, uh, more ammunition uh, at different parts um, that you'll encounter going forward. The only, and, but it's all to say there's also a version where you're frustrated in a different direction, which is that you you go through, you get that Magnum, you leave the USB key because you have to literally press X or whatever to like, you know, acquire it again. And it's very common that people have left it behind and then there's no way to go back and get that USB key for the uh, armory based things that, that show up later. Okay, well, it's not but you would have right. liked the Magnum. I, I feel bad that you didn't. You didn't I feel. I, I feel like especially it's a Mr. very X, satisfying weapon. And Mister X chasing me, and the need to just like get zombies down fast. It's one hit kills. The like that's really that is the, the 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 joy of the Magnum is like man, fuck it. Just like it's their heads pop, and that's what you're hoping for the shotgun blast. You know, that's what you. Uh, guarantee with the magnum um and uh so yeah. i think you'll be okay uh i, I think the game was gonna slow down a little bit for, for you before things ramp up again um and i don't remember what happens with mr x i can't even tease you with yeah. what happens with uh, the big boy it's well the last thing that happened was i was chased years. by a giant gator um, yeah there's the gator i there's forgot the gator. that remember there was him? that era in video games but i guess no maybe this was a if this happens in the original game maybe this game was a forerunner of this a, a trail sewer level yeah the sewer level, but the literally the chase where the camera flips around and you're looking at your character from the front and being mm-hmm. chased by a thing behind. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. that was fairly uncommon until like there was a wave of games in the 2010s that did that exact uh, like chase construction. But watching you escape a boulder in the original Resident Evil uh, remake, <laughs> an all timer uh, moment in stream video game stream history. So anyway, Patrick, you've also been playing some Resident Evil. Yeah, I, yeah. Just a quickly note: I, I finished up Resident Evil Four. Um, saw the credits on that uh, this weekend. Uh, yep, really high on it. Really liked it. Uh, there were some things that, like stand out a little. Oh, go ahead, run. No, no, no please. Uh, there were some things that stand out a little awkwardly about it for a game that you know has all the the spit and sheen uh, of a, a game updated for you know twenty twenty three. The story stuff uh, is that kind of sticks out a little like. You know, most of the storytelling is happening, again, through, like, sort of notes. There's the, this whole arc in the game where Leon has this, like, ex-commander uh, of his, Kraus, uh, that 
uh, gets involved with like the, the cult stuff that's happening. And it's supposed to be like this big kind of emotional moment for, for Leon and Krauss. And it's just sort of lands a little flatly in the update because there's like no, absolutely no buildup to what's going on here. Like it's a big moment for Leon Kennedy and it's a big moment for this Krauss guy. It's not so much a big moment for you as the player because no. like all of the uh, of the tension building that's happening is hopefully you saw a couple of notes that laid a little bit of the groundwork uh, here for it. Uh, and then the game is like, ha ha, this is this is big. And it's the kind of thing that would require a more structural change to the game if they were to do more of that kind of like ground uh, kind of groundwork for the characters journeys. But again, it's these are not games about journeys or arcs. Really, it is, you know, it nails the part that it needs to nail. Um, And if what it wanted to do was to replicate, you know, that era of storytelling in its full, you know, it does that here and it's fine. It is effective for what this what is happening here. Um, But uh, that does seem a little odd by by the end of it. It was like, huh, like there's just like a little more threading. That's I guess a short game. You know, I think I finished it in 20 ish hours, a little bit under. Um, It's like for a game that feels this long. There is a lack of actual storytelling that is happening for like a world uh, that actually I think would have benefited from a little more of that. Yeah, I mean, as I've been playing through it, because I've also been playing through it in my free time, I, I put a little time into it on my vacation. I I put a little time into it when I was sick, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I will say I don't need it. I don't need I don't I don't need it to be I don't need it to tell the story well truly I am just I am I'm along for the ride in a way that I'm usually not with a game usually I am the like I need this to be hitting but I I I honestly don't know if I need that from Resident Evil I think it can be goofy I don't need and it weird. to hit because yeah like look I don't need it to be hey what we need Resident Evil to be is like gritty and grounded and emotional I don't want that I do not yeah. want that from my game it's more just uh like things feel like they come out of nowhere in a way that that could have been threaded a little bit better for the, uh, you know, the B movie tale that the Resident Evil uh, four is telling, uh, one that only gets more, uh, over the top as it, as it goes along, uh, mm-hmm. in a way that I found, uh, very enjoyable. Also, yeah, I never bought the Magnum in that game, Rob. I was consistent with your Resident Evil playthrough. I resisted. I kept selling that Magnum ammo. I don't need it. Uh, I don't need it. Uh, but well, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased that I inspired you though to sell ammo. <laughs> Uh, you don't need like <laughs> just get rid of stuff uh, so that you can buy. Well, so you can you buy more no notes. things that are more valuable. Oh, wow, <laughs> dang it! Well, just, the difference. That's just like you, Rob, getting rid of stuff. That's so. That's so like you to inspire someone in this way to to acknowledge you don't actually need a fucking thing. That's so. That's. So, I'm so glad you were able to bring that out of Patrick. Well, I don't have a that's choice. That's your strength, Rob. Thank you. Um, we all, as colleagues, we all inspire and support one another and try and become our, our best selves. But also Resident Evil 4, you don't have a fucking choice. There's no storage unit for the ammo. No. You can only put away healing items and guns. Everything else you have to manage in that screen. And what's what's great about it is, like, as the game goes on, you can, you know, you can buy briefcases that are larger. And it's like, this time... I will spend $80,000 and I will have the briefcase that fits everything. And the game does such a good job of just immediately shoving that back in your face, which is like, bro, in about half an hour, that case is going to be full again. <laughs> like no matter how big that case is, you will find a way to fill it. And that happens every single time, much like in dead space where it's like, I'll just, I will simply buy the better armor. And then I will not die. In Resident Evil, I will simply buy the bigger briefcase and I 
will have room for everything. And it's like, no, you'll just have room. For, you'll just have more stuff. Sure. Surely I'll have enough gunpowder to turn these six large resources into mm-hmm. actual ammunition that would conserve space. Surely that'll happen soon. This mm-hmm, egg, mm-hmm. this egg is worth carrying around. <laughs> you just gotta eat that egg. Yeah. <laughs> gotta eat that egg. Gotta, you just gotta there eat is, that egg. Eat I don't the egg spoil or it. throw the egg. Or throw the egg. And there is a, uh, the side quest in this game, I, I think kind of stall out about halfway through and s- stop being, they just kind of keep doling out the same sorts of side quests. And I, I, that was actually one thing that I wish was a little stronger here. It's like, do you want to shoot more blue medallions? It's like, you know... Okay, I, I mean, I'll do it. You marked no, them on the map, game. Right. Like, you know, it's not exactly like you're asking me to do a whole lot. But it's like, do you want to, uh, like, I, when I got three-fourths through the game and it gave me, like, the third time, it's like, do you want to go back through an area five minutes away and slash some rats? And then you mm. can get three emeralds, in, like, in exchange for it. It's like, I'm, nah, <laughs> like, I'm good. I don't, I don't need to go cut those rats. Like, I think I'm just going to keep um, moving on. But I did... One, uh, I'm very excited for uh, Ren. If you keep, if you stick with it, um, one of the all-time great horror enemies is tucked away in the last fourth of this game. Roughly, they're called. I don't want to explain. I, they're the regenerators. That'll make sense <laughs> to people who have played the game. Um, they are spectacular. They are scary and weird and require. In a game that, broadly speaking, you shoot at the kneecap or you shoot at the head, um, the game introduces an enemy that acts fundamentally different um, and is not as simple yes. as, hey, we gave him a shield so that, you know, maybe you got to blow away the shield or use a grenade. It um, It is completely different. They and, they and they don't even give you a way of defeating it early on. It is just at a – usually in Resident Evil games, it's like, hey, an enemy that you can't fight – is just an avoidance enemy, right? Like it's a, it's a, it's a nemesis or a tyrant. And maybe we'll give you a, a big bazooka at the end that you can take them out with here. It's an avoidance enemy until you can get something to deal with them. And even when you deal with them, it is not as simple as haha, like you have found the vat of acid to take them out. It is more complicated than that. Um, and they are, they're an all timer enemy from the original game. Mm-hmm. And it is probably one of the most distinctly improved things they have done in the sequel oh. is take something that was already great and terrifying and make it so much worse. They changed uh, here. Um, yeah, like aesthetically. Okay. And aesthetically is the, the, the thing they've done a lot of work with. And I think the aesthetic changes actually uh, influence the design of like how the player ah, deals with them. Like it is rare that an enemy's appearance and movement uh, both unnerve and then as a result of the unnerving influence how you deal with them as a player and they've done that to, to just a incredible degree nice uh here and it is uh every time the one thing i'll say is it's you know miles spoilers for resident Evil 4 but um sometimes you encounter these enemies just around and then other times you come into a room full of body bags and whether or not you will see one is how good can you just get Leon to crouch on the ground and finagle through a 3D space? Because you never know which one of these body bags is going to dump one of these fuckers on the ground. And you don't want them. You don't want you don't want these fuckers to appear. And so like the game will very smartly place. So like a yellow herbs in Resident Evil 4 Mm -hmm. extend your health a little bit, right? They're there that you see one every couple of hours. They're pretty important. You're going to want to track one down. 
And it's like, what if we just put like a little yellow herb over there? But there's a lot of body bags on the way to that yellow herb. How do you feel about that? And it's just a great temptation uh, that the game uh, plays with. Um, that's that's really good. I'm I'm I, I want to be clear. I'm loving Resident Evil. 4. I'm having an excellent yeah. time with it. I also think that I think that playing on a hardcore difficulty was the right decision for me in the long term. I think that mm. I had a t- I had a tough I had a tough first time through the village. Uh, <laughs> well, what you didn't learn. And I don't think I we we had a discussion about this was I think when, when uh, you did the stream was that, you know, you're, you're having trouble with the signposting to the shotgun. But because you're having trouble with the difficulty, what you didn't realize was that you don't have to kill anyone in that opening sequence. It's a time sequence. It's not a kill sequence. Yes. No, I, I, I knew that. No, no, no. Okay. I knew that it was a time sequence. I was just trying to stay alive. That yeah. was that was me trying to stem a tide. Renata's strategy for stemming a tide is keep numbers down, deal with problem head on, <laughs> which which let me be clear was effective once I had the shotgun. Once no, I it, once I had yeah, the otherwise, shotgun, you can watch how well that worked uh, on <laughs> Twitch.tv/waypoint. You can see how effective it was. You can see how effective uh, it how was. How good the, it worked. I mean. Rob, in my defense, the second I had the shotgun, I got it on the first try. That was not like a, oh, Ren really struggles until, like, Ren really struggles with the shotgun. It was, I didn't have the shotgun. It works perfectly once I have the shotgun. I ran in a circle, found some eggs, um, and just waited for that big old bell to ring. And then uh, waltzed over to that shotgun and (laughs) was a king. Congrats. king. But the game has been great from there uh, in terms of balancing and me feeling like the exact correct amount. It's of awesome. Pressure. She's being great at it. Just out of frame. <laughs> All right. Uh, so it's uh yeah, the, the I'll be excited for the uh, for you to get to the um, the if you got into the lake sequence where you get a boat. Oh, yeah. Lake sequence done. Uh, yeah. The lake is the lake is a real uh, highlight. Like it's the closest the game gets to not open world, but you get like real choice over what do you want to do for the next couple of hours and there's a sequence in the opening of opening hours of the last of us part two that uh, functions similarly where you get to this part of i think portland or seattle i forget the Mm. but you know it's an area where the player gets like to spend a bunch of time in kind of a hub area and i love games that drop you into sequences like that. That's mm-hmm. like a reason, like my favorite Uncharted game is the, I forget what the one was, but it was, it was like the, lo, it was like the, not one of the numbered ones, but it was the spinoff um, that is a whole hub and spoke model. And in the lake sequence is very strong in Resident Evil 4. There's That's only great. one of them. Everything, everything else is pretty, you know, go to next area uh, sort of thing. Um, and I wish that game had a little more of it because I just, I just like being like, Oh look, there's a little exclamation point. I'm going to go over here and like have a little sequence that I have there and then boat my way over to this other spot. And um, you never quite get that again. And it's always every time I get a sequence like that in a game um, that doesn't normally have that sort of stuff, it gets the vibe of an open world without like having to go all the way there. It's just giving the player a little more freedom of movement. Yeah. Uh, that was, that was a very fun sequence. I liked it a lot. Uh, I also did the, uh, like the, uh, the little village defense, the, not the village, the little like hut cottage defense you do with yeah, louise yeah that's yes, very that's a, yes. that was a very 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 fun sequence that like really pushed me in a way that i liked a lot yeah excellent game resident Evil 4 two thumbs up i uh uh you know they stripped out the horniness at the end which fair it didn't feel right um <laughs> but you if you are uh unaware of 
the horniness at the end of Resident Evil 4. Um, look up the original ending to Resident Evil 4. And then they changed the line in the new one. And I get why they arrived there. But uh, I don't know. There's uh, something about that that I, that I miss, even if I agree culturally with the change. <laughs> I need, well after the show I'm going to look at look that up and see just how incriminating this entire exchange was. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to. <laughs> Kato, maybe before we post this episode, just look yeah, just, just look up that sequence. Look, sometimes a character shoots their shot. It's it's uh, sometimes a character shoots their shot. That's what I was. That's saying. beautiful. Uh, all right, so before we get out of here, uh, we should take a little dip into the question bucket. Remember, you can send us all your questions at gamingadvice.com with the subject line questions. Uh, so a while ago, somebody did write in about uh, Star Citizen. Alex from Denver writes, "Quick, di- quick dip! You warned us about this question being long, uh, like earlier in this podcast." <laughs> Sorry, continue. Star Citizen. Well, question. spiritually, it's a quick dip. Uh, <laughs> in reality, it, it's a it's a in depth plumbing, but we'll we'll see. Mm-hmm. Hey, Waypoint crew! First time, long time. A while back, Star Citizen was mentioned a couple times within a few weeks. And the overall vibes toward it on the pod range from dismissively laughing about it to cautiously laughing about it. I'm not going to proselytize <laughs> about the next coming of space simulation Jesus, but I, I think gaming news should be discussing Star Citizen Cloud Imperium games more seriously due to the unique nature of how it's funded as well as its overall ambitions. I backed the project in 2013, 10 years ago, for $50 and have yet to play any part of the game so far. Uh, GPU prices haven't helped with that. What I have done is watch nearly every behind-the-scenes video of the game's development, and as a game designer myself, I find the development of the game to be fascinating, and the work being done at uh, CIG is unlike anything I've seen from any AAA developer. Obviously, this project hits the headlines when it hits insane funding goals, but the reality is there is a just a large fan base for this game and a small subset that is ultra-wealthy. They continue funding the creation of Star Citizen because they believe the 700-plus developers worldwide across five studios, several partner studios, are working hard to create the most insane-sounding space simulation game ever. There is a lot that is playable, flying, combat, mining, bounty hunting, exploring, multiple mission types, etc. But what is truly exciting to me is that they are slowly, very, very slowly, solving problems that no other game has even attempted. For example, last year they implemented persistent entity streaming where you can drop any object in a random spot on any planet or moon, leave and come back next week, and it will still be there. Their current big challenge is allowing all players in the MMO to seamlessly switch between game servers on demand without loading screens. This may sound familiar because of the because the premise of the game, uh, the 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 premise of the game that the Mythic Quest character Poppy describes during the uh, finale of season two is exactly that feature. I and most backers of on the Star Citizen subreddit are pretty fed up with the slow progress and promise dates that slip away. The separate single player game Squadron Forty Two has been promised for years now, and there is no release date in sight. All this is valid criticism, but them not hitting their release dates aren't the most interesting aspects of the game. Progress is being made on their most ambitious goals, and I don't have any doubt that CIG will continue working on these features until they're done, be that this year or in 10 more years. Uh, I have that faith because they aren't beholden any publishers, uh, and because this is the most transparent development of any AAA game uh, in history. It's been able to continually incorporate player feedback in its design, something I think should be celebrated. 
Well, all that said, here are my questions. Do you think a AAA game should have Star Citizen's level of transparency? Are players always naturally going to be skeptical of ambitious titles uh, due to being burned too many times? Cyberpunk, Spore, All Points Bulletin, Tabula Rasa, etc. Lastly, are are you all in your positions in game, me- game media afraid of touching on or delving into such a controversial game's development? Love the podcast. Thanks for all your thanks for all your nuanced discussions of difficult topics. Alex from Denver. So there's a couple things. Uh, one, like Alex, I think you might have imbibed a little bit of Kool Aid. Uh, <laughs> just as I like, there's a, there's a, I think there's a little bit of like uh, you're already pretty deep in the Star Citizen down the Star Citizen well of like following all this stuff, which like means you're speaking from pretty deep in that fan base but i'm not actually sure that does mean like the development is necessarily as like revolutionary or singular as they make it out to be like a lot of what they're going to be doing is explaining when you're explaining to people like hey where the fuck is my game the answer is always going to be let me tell you what these amazing problems we're solving uh to make the the greatest space game ever made it's always gonna be a fascinating thing uh and it's going to be like you're going to say it's the nature of the problems we're tackling that just mean means this is this is unprecedented uh to that i think one reason that i think a lot of mainstream game journalism has kind of stepped away from star citizen is because like to understand the state of play there i think you do have to be pretty far you there's a lot of research now there's 10 years of like promotion and release updates around this. I was like it kind of came out the other side, right? Yeah. Like I think there was a lot of attention paid on it because it was what seemed like a money pit yep. without much to show for it, but now has developed its own community that is self-interested in what is happening there. But most people like outsiders, and I think you can say that's reporters, you can say whoever have sort of just accepted. It's kind of just over there yeah. in the way there are lots of games that are just over there it's a game that predated like or is alongside a lot of like early access green light things like that and now feels less weird to exist in that space because games can just sort of be in a perpetually in a state and arrive or not arrive at that but when it was you know announced the pitch was like we're making xyz and it didn't deliver any of those things and it's in midst of delivering some versions of those or other things and if the community's happy that's like that's kind of the nature of game development these days like that's sort of all that matters like it doesn't really matter like if i get my star citizen that like chris roberts showed to me in a GameSpot office you know (laughs) 10 years ago that game doesn't exist they stopped making it they're making something else and um i think that speaks a little bit to sort of the maybe indifference or uh, kind of joking attitude toward it. Uh, but I think more indifference these days. I think there's less acidity uh, 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 pointed towards it because I think people just kind of gave up. What's there to make fun of? Like, it's just off doing a thing now. Well, it does, like, the parts of it, there are parts of it that are clearly, like, this isn't just a, this isn't a scheme. Like, there's there's parts of the game that are coming together. Uh, just, yeah, albeit very slowly. But at the same time, you know there so it's like it's it's less of a thing that you have to cover as why are they raising all this money which i think was a valid question about 8 years ago right where it was like whatever like what is going on with star citizen there wasn't much to show for it except all these lavish effectively like brochures for more in-game ships that they kept selling to people like it started to look really sketchy when there was like just nothing to show from the game and then it was a lot of Selling timeshares on the moon effectively is what is is what the business model was there. 
And, <laughs> you know, we, we moved on from that, but it has sort of become a thing where, yes, it is just over there. It's, it's got its community uh, that are largely happy with how it is coming together or at least understanding. Uh, and then a lot of other folks, I think I'm in this boat is if this ever comes together and someone says like, Hey, star citizen is like finished. And it's a game ass game. It's not just a bunch of disconnected modules and it mostly kind of works. I'll be very excited by that. I'll be very intrigued. I want to play but, the big space yeah, game, yeah. right? Like th- we were just like, like talking about our desire for like, we had a, you know, we had squadrons talk that happened in between, like a part of the record. I like, probably like, try to in- insert that somewhere. It was good enough, you know? <laughs> yeah. F- yeah. Figure it out. Fig- yeah. Okay. So now I'm going to look, you know, know, know that it was substantial yeah. enough that if it's natively fit into the podcast, yeah. that it, that edit idea occurred right here at the end of the podcast <laughs> while we're talking about Star Citizen, because that is a game that they don't really make anymore, right? Like the like big budget, like space drama. I don't know, kind of went out with Wing Commander, right? Like kind of went out with Chris Roberts stopped making them, um, <laughs> you know, and replaced with things like No Man's Sky, right? Like, it, it, um, or Elite Dangerous, which are just sort of different beasts entirely. Although I guess, you know, Star Citizen promises to be all things to all people, right? Like that is, is like, hey, we've got your big budget single, Mark Hamill's back, baby. Like, you know, <laughs> um, and that's the one I'm waiting for is like, I would love to play one of those games. I just, you know, don't see any evidence that that 47 or whatever that game is called, you know, is on the horizon anytime soon. Yeah. It's, uh, and even, even, even if it is like, there's never been very much to suggest that, um, the fiction of star citizen, just as an aside, like it's never looked very compelling in terms of the, the pitch for the universe, but, uh, to, to the questions, you know, should, should a triple game have, uh, star citizens level of transparency? I think transparent, like, one, like a lot of star citizen transparency is about like sort of filling a role as marketing as well. Uh, so I think like it's, it's a odd sort of transparency. Um, it's not a double fine documentary, right? Like yeah. if you want transparency, go watch psych odyssey, like the 30 part, uh, examination of making psychonauts Two. what they are providing here is, is restrained. You're right. It's marketed transparency. It is insight into the process. Yeah. Like it's more than you're going to get for most games, which are a black box. Arguably games are a black box for a reason, because time and time again, we have seen an example of video game fans being unable to accept what games look like early. Like the <laughs> process of making games is messy. Um, and so I don't know that like necessarily they can be trusted with being able to handle that sorts of information. But we have now examples of full spectrums of different levels of what we call transparency. I just don't know that I would. I'd be careful how I'm using that word with Star Citizen, as you point out, Rob, because if you just want to see how the sausage is made, like, go watch that documentary. Like, yeah. it's ugly. Like, making games is hard. Um, and I don't know that you're getting that level of insight here, necessarily. I, and also, my thing with, like, looking at the Star Citizen stuff is, like, what is that doing for you? Like, 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 like the, it just serves a fundamentally different function. This, like, uh, transparent... I'm using the word transparency here really because, again, I don't think that's what this is, but like it's serving a fundamentally different function than other than it would for other AAA games, right? Like, like other games are not sold to the consumer on a promise like this, right? Like, like in the way that star citizen is like, sure. Games are like pre-ordered and like announced. And you know, there is, there was a marketing machine behind them, but like star citizen, I also think like calling star citizen a AAA game is like weird because that's not, 
it is fundamentally operating under like a different development pipeline and like a different mode of like funding a different mode it's a different business altogether right like it's it's it is a it feels like a weird comparison to even make to me because Star Citizen is so far removed from anything that a triple A publisher is going to ever make um, because that's just how they work uh, and, and and how the industry works like broadly. Um, yeah. I just like, don't feel like, like the comparison point you're looking for is Warframe. Warframe does this because Warframe is not a triple A game. It's this weird thing happening over in the corner that is like playing to a very particular deeply engaged and committed audience that believes in like the project. Right? Like Call of Duty is never going to do this. The Last of Us, um, you know, Naughty Dog is never going to do this, but like Digital Extremes is right now. Uh, the Tarkov devs are probably doing things like this because they just operate in like a fundamentally different economic mode than like other things that fall into like the triple A terminology. I think where there's the someone's being swept up in transparency here is also sort of having it being more of a conversation with the the potential audience for a game that is not finished. I think this is the other weird thing is like transparency is cool. The soliciting player feedback on such it's such early stages as so many systems are being built from the ground up like uh that's also kind of nothing like is that a good thing i don't know if the game if the game works works out uh then i guess we'd say it will but certainly i think it's a stretch to say at this point that you know for a development cycle that's gone on uh you know 10 years 10, 10 some years it's stretched to call this like a success or or a template uh, and we don't know how this stuff is going to pan out in the end, but certainly in the meantime, it seems like Chris Roberts's tendency going back throughout his career to have a, a propensity for like catastrophic feature creep combined with what happens when you go to a community and say like, well, what do you think this game should have? Uh, those two things like, do I think games should operate like that? Probably not. I think somebody like I think probably more scoping uh, is is generally a good thing. And I think maybe some of the way Star Citizen has come together has precluded the types of decisions and compromises that like you would find the AAA model where it's like, here's your budget. Here's a date. Ideally, we need to hit. Go go execute this. Star Citizen hasn't done that. Maybe that'll prove to be awesome. that They didn't. But in the meantime, you know it's 2023 and the game exists in pieces. Yeah. And that last, you know, game development, so much happens in that last five or 10% of how you, however you want to define that. And star citizen hasn't even hit that. And so it's like, it's one thing to have a bunch of individual pieces that feel good connecting all that stuff and making it flow. I mean, that's, (laughs) that's where a lot of the rubber meets the road. Uh, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of games when they do like uh, an early access thing, generally called that. Those are usually betas by that point. Uh, and Star Citizen is on Alpha Three. <laughs> like they, they're too cowardly to call it a beta. Yeah, like this Alpha is, Three. <laughs> this is where, they, and they're like they're just being truthful as to the fact that like this is how far sure. we are from it being a complete game, right? Like the most recent Alpha Three Point One Eight just dropped. March 10th. Uh, so it's not even to 
what they would be comfortable calling a beta, right? And it's well, how many years now? I don't remember yeah. when I packed to that Kickstarter. <laughs> Ten years. I, I was a child when it. I was a child when people were first making jokes about Star Citizen. Um, yeah, uh, it's kick, the Kickstarter. Um, wow. October eighteenth, twenty twelve. I I was just yeah. Pre production of the game started in twenty ten. So if you want to stretch it back a little further, then. Mm -hmm. uh, oh my god. The other thing I'll say is that like. I also don't think that, you know, this level of transparency is particularly useful to, like, even people who like games broadly for the vast majority of titles. Like, if BioWare right now released a video that was like, hey, here's how our internal dialogue system works for, like, managing, like, state develop, like, state management, no one would fucking care! No one, no, like... I mean, I would care. I, Ren I, Renata, someone who, like, spent her sick time and spent, like, her vacation watching GDC talks about narrative design, Renata's gonna love that. Renata's gonna love to know how they do their state management. But, like, the vast majority of people are not... That, those systems are going to be fucking alien to the vast majority of people in a way that, like, here is the feature we are making for Star Citizen is a fundamentally different proposition that you are showing people because, like, that is a game being sold on the insane number of features that it has as opposed to, like, the kind of focus that many, many, like, broad-reaching, wide-audience AAA titles are going to have. Um, I, I think it's just a different relationship. Uh, Rob, uh, concerning information here from the Wikipedia page on uh, on Squadron Forty Two, um, based on to bring this whole uh, conversation uh, fully looped around, uh, Squadron Forty Two is being developed by the uh, Foundry Forty Two Studio under the supervision of Chris Roberts' brother Aaron, who had already worked with him on the Wing Commander series and led the production and development of Privateer Two: The Darkening. <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> unfortunate but that's wait, that's that's separate like if i bought a ship for star citizen i don't get that's a different game now right yeah it was originally part of the the the, the pitch that it was going to be like a single player story within that world and maybe it'll get slotted you know who knows but it is it is something that i think is now meant to be an extended you know part of the universe right. like someone like me plays a squadron 42 and then is maybe curious about star citizen more more broadly mm -hmm. but that game like they kept announcing release dates and then it went dark in 2020 and they just said we're not going to show it until well that's so that's the funny part like i don't know what they've shown privately maybe this person can write in and i'm sure they've shown some stuff but like broadly speaking they then went the traditional development route was like you know what yeah, like maybe we should just like go make the thing and then we'll show it to you when we made it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i like to the last part of this question, uh, do are gamers always going to be skeptical of ambitious games? No. Well, yes and no. Like people are always going to be excited about big ambitious games, and then they'll also be like, big ambitious games tend not to totally work out. But that yeah. doesn't stop anyone be, from being excited. Like like no matter how many times we burn our hands on stoves like this, we're always going to be like, but maybe this time it'll work out. Maybe this is <laughs> but maybe be the what one if they actually did it. Yeah. Maybe this time so, they're saying it because they figured it out ahead of time. Yeah, I, I think there's always going to be like <laughs> ambition and skepticism are always going to sort of be hand in hand here. Uh, Jambo writes, Point fam, good day, long time listener, first time question here. 
Have any of you ever heard of adding a tiny amount of salt to a cup of coffee or even gone so far as to try it? When I say I mean tiny, I mean in the ballpark of like one sixteenth or one eighth of a teaspoon, literally just a pinch of salt. Depending on which supermarket blend I'm slumming it with, the one sixteenth can make or break a good cup of tea for me, uh, a good cup of for me. Uh, I find it gives a nice savory caramel-esque roundness to the flavor. Let me know what you think. FCGH Jambo. So, I spent the last week doing a lot of saltwater gargles on account of the strep throat, mm. rocking, rocking my poor body, my poor Victorian child form. Uh, and I will say, I, I did take some sips of coffee immediately after doing my little, my little saltwater rinses with uh, some Stoke, um, like, uh, fridge iced coffee. And you know what? That was smooth as hell. It was delicious. <laughs> I had a, I had a nice time other than the pain, yeah. but I had a nice time. And you know what? I'll put salt in anything. A little bit of salt, toss it on anything. It'll probably help a little bit. I've definitely Just a little bit. Yeah. I've definitely heard the theory that actually milk and sugar are attempting to mask things that could be balanced by salt yes. instead. Like, but I've never actually tried it. I've, I've always been curious, but not, I don't know. I like my milk and sugar uh, latte coffee, you know? You might still like it with salt, though. Like, kind of think about salt is it brings out, like, it brings out flavor across the board, right? Like, almost everything's a little bit better if it's properly salted. Uh, So I totally buy that, like, you know, I I, I do know there are people who, like, always make a point of, like, putting a pinch of salt in their coffee. Um, I just haven't done it because I never remember to. And also, it's like, I don't know. I just, uh, like I'm not having pro- I'm not coffee. having problems yeah. with my coffee already. Yeah, like I enjoy it the way I make it anyway. So it's not like. But maybe it could be better. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who, who who could truly say? Maybe we should try it. Uh, maybe it could be better. Something that Rob has in common with Star Citizen. <laughs> the Star Citizen of people. <laughs> you know what? That's actually uh. true. I think that's accurate. Amazing. It's very regrettable, but sadly, <laughs> it's like, which video game are you? I'm sorry. <laughs> How's the feature <laughs> creep going, Rob? Uh, uh, thanks, thanks for the podcast title, by the way. Hang on. No, I can't be. I shouldn't be. I got to put my chest out with the, for this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, look, Own it. I have built I have built the best office anyone's ever seen. Uh, <laughs> like people have, you know, for years, people try to solve all the problems of Having an office that's for writing, for cover, like streaming, for productivity, but also a good place to hang out and reflect, uh, a good sanctuary from the world. Uh, and nobody's been able to do it. There's too many obstacles. There's technical, there's technical obstacles to creating the perfect office. Uh, but I have solved them. I, Rob oh. Zachney, have solved all of them. And uh, if you will sponsor me, if you will, if 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 you will just send me for the low price, for the low price. Of $150, I will send you a photo, just yours, of my office. And that'll be your photo of my office. Um, wow. You know what? If there's one thing this podcast definitely has, much like Star Citizen, it's a lot of transparency into the development of Rob's home. It is, it's, yeah. it's, it's, some would say, yeah. an, a staggering, almost <laughs> disarming amount of transparency into the way that Rob's home kind of changes and develops over time. If, I, if, if anything untoward was going on, 
Why would I just tell you? No. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All right. So Evan writes, uh, this is regards to Taranel and some of the stuff that came up there. Uh, This is a different perspective. Uh, Evan writes, as somebody who has studied conservation biology, I want to add a balancing voice to Ryan's commentary on Taranel. Not to say she is off base. I haven't played the game yet, but it sounds like its message might benefit from a different emphasis. Ren mentioned that damaged ecosystems are often best left alone. She's not wrong, but I want to add that I wish it was true more often. There are many examples of damage that will resist the establishment of health of a healthy ecosystem. Just for instance, a dirt trench will gather water like a river, but will only erode straight down. Natural waterways meander back and forth, flowing to create various aquatic environments which support various species that evolve to be in balance. Speaking broadly, I believe it is responsibility to make our trenches more like rivers because we are the only ones who can. Conservationists use the word stewardship a lot, and I was touched by the quote. They don't say it to mean that they dominate nature. To them, it means that they serve nature as scientists, engineers, artists, and organizers with humility, care, and hard work. People can act as a keystone in some places where other species can't. If we do it well, someday we may be able to hand that stewardship back to the species who served the greater ecosystem, the greater system originally. For many of them, time is too short for us not to try. Thanks for your time, Evan. Um, Yeah, I mean, I certainly, like, that is a different, it's one of the things contextual. Like, sometimes it does feel like, um, just as a species, we're, like, totally in faulty towers mode where we try to fix one thing and we create four more problems. Uh, But there are... There are forms, I, I do know there's forms of like ecological da- damage we've inflicted. Like, you can't totally back away and it will just fix itself. It requires some sort of intervention. But at the same time, I think about, um, I don't know if it, it, it was as much a thing, I think. I think they stopped emphasizing this when you when you were growing up, Ren. But uh, I think for Patrick and I, we often heard about the, the evils of the six-pack uh, plastic ring thing. Uh, where it would end up Those in a poor river. Ducks. Would, Those poor turtles. Turtles, ducks, yeah, turtles fish, caught in turtles. the... Yeah. And uh, so there's emphasis on like just all these things that end up in these waterways and end up trapping animals and harming them. That's that's kind of true, but w- one of the things that I've also heard come up is uh, sometimes simply removing that stuff also fucks up the... Because like once it's in there, it ends up kind of being part of the ecosystem, right? Like once once that river has like a big heap of shit in it, animals learn to adapt to this the big is my heap shit of shit now. being there. And if you go clear it, you end up like kind of damaging what has become the ecosystem of the river. And so like I, I do think there's there's that in play as well, where it's like it's really... it's a The, the, the context can be complicated. Yeah, I also think that um, I think my frustration with Terra Nail has more to do with its techno fetishism than anything else, right? Like, I think I think that was the point that I yeah. and I'll 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 admit this is a mistake from what I was discussing the game initially. I think that like fundamentally, the thing that bothers me is the techno fetishism more than anything else. It is like the the way in which it fr- it becomes a kind of magical thinking about our ability to touch the world and remove ourselves from it perfectly. Um, Th- that is the that is the thing that left me a little bit uncomfortable with Terranil because I like know people who uh, I I I know a lot of people in my life who studied um, environmental science and like urban design uh, and like one thing that spending a lot of time around environmental science people and like urban design people uh, will kind of led me to 
realizing was that like you, there is no touching the world without consequence, right? There is no way to like interact with space and like the built environment and unbuilt environment without actually like doing a serious thing and leaving a mark of yourself there um, in, in a significant way. And I think that like ultimately that is my frustration with Terra Nil more than um, my concern, my previous concern about it struggling to like do environmentalism right it's more that I think that, you know, Terranil probably does conservation and, and the process of conservation it, it does that well or does that interestingly. Um, and yeah, that was that was a, that was a definitely a, a, a mistake on like my first time talking through the game. So thank you for like that additional context. I think it's, I think it's like very useful. Uh, maybe I'll from Phil from D.C., Hello, Wade HD gang, and also Patrick. <laughs> I started physical therapy this year where I'm constantly asked to do 20 reps of different exercises. It turns out my attention span isn't up to the challenge of counting to 20 without losing track. So I usually do the exercise until I get tired. Then I do three more reps and assume I finish close to 20. What counting related activities do you struggle with when making coffee for more than one person? How do you make sure you did six scoops of coffee grounds? Not five, oh, too weak, or seven, too strong. Keep it breezy, Phil from DC. Okay, this like hit me Anytime. where I live because yeah. here's the thing. <laughs> Sets of 10 I can do. Anytime I'm given an exercise chart where it's like do 20 or 30 reps, my mind wanders off consistently during, especially like if you have to pay attention to form, which you do in physical therapy. Like if you do the exercise mm. wrong in physical therapy, you might as well not have done it. And sometimes you would have been better off not doing it. No. So you got other things you're going on, going on in your head, but also like there's a lot of shit that's just boring where it's like, um, like nobody likes doing item. Well, no, people do like doing planks. I don't, they're miserable, I but doing them. like once I'm like in the position of like, I mean, I've, I've assumed the form and like, now I'm just sort of waiting it out as hard as it is. My mind still wanders and I'm still like, Thinking about other stuff, thinking about like what to do later, uh, you know, work stuff. And then I'm like, how long have I been doing this? I have no sense. And if I've been trying to count seconds, I'll be like, wait, how did I end it back on 30? Uh, like, did I just yeah. lose? Did I just like start counting randomly somewhere? And so that's that's me. Like it did like it is one of those like almost embarrassing parts of this where I'm like, yeah, I too doing an exercise struggle mightily to count to 20. It's 100 percent like depends on the length of the thing yeah there is a there's if it's fast enough i'm fine but the thing that gets me is taking a single cup like measuring cup filling it with water at the sink and then moving it over to a pot and i need like six of those i get lost around four i'm like was this the fourth one am i have i moved back to the sink a fourth time (laughs) Uh, or is this the fifth one did i miscount here um but like yeah, it depends on how quick, like, like a single, like, I don't know, bicep curl, right? Like, that's a short enough action that I can keep track of that. But it's just like, if something takes more than, like, two seconds between counting up the next one, I'm, I'm gone. <laughs> like, that's it. I have no clue how many are in there. There's probably five cups of water in this pot. I'm not sure. <laughs> so, this is where you get the Renata Price uh, school of working out. 
uh, which is I can't count for shit. I'm not going to pay attention to that. I don't know how many reps I've done, which is why I exclusively work out to failure. Uh, I, when, when I am working out, if I'm like doing an exercise, like I will just go until failure, uh, uh, like consistently, uh, cause I'm not, I'm not going to keep track of that. Uh, and also like, I don't know, I'm not going to feel like I did it if I don't go to failure, you know, <laughs> this is why I found, I like really jived with, um, what's it called? Uh, ring fit. Cause it counts for you. Yeah, it yes, counts yes, for you. Yes, that, that was fucking yes. great. That was awesome yes. for me. <laughs> there are lots of class. I mean, there's the whole, I mean, the way sure. I act, I, other than running, is like, we do the Apple Fitness stuff because it's just bundled with the other stuff that, that we get through them. But, like, their classes are fantastic. Like, and they run the gamut of, it just seems like this addresses maybe, like, a core, a core for your core. <laughs> uh, is just, like, I have 10 minutes. Here's what I do. Watch, follow, go at my own right. pace. And even if you go off of their pace, you're still broadly doing you know, what the instructor has in, in front of you. Um, so I don't, even though I don't have the, the counting issue for me, it's like a time management issue. And so mm-hmm. I, it's like, I pick this thing, it's 20 minutes. I, I know what I have between when I have to get to start work or pick up the kids. And it's like, okay, 20 minutes. I don't, however good or bad that workout is, <laughs> it's 20 minutes. And then I'm, I'm done. I can definitely make my legs stop working in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, Though is like, I'm resting all this, but my understanding is like going to failure is good for some things, but bad for others. Going to failure is really good for building strength, right? Uh, like like endurance, mm, uh, like it, it's it's good for building strength, uh, not as much for building like muscle mass, right? Uh, it, it 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 depends, um, but also that's mostly what I work out for is to like maintain strength, uh, and so going to failure generally works for me, um. Does it make me a little freak? Yes, it does. Does it? Uh, this is this also why I struggle to get back into making working out a habit? Yes, it is because when I go to failure, I will be fucked up for the next day. Yeah. Uh, until my body gets used to consistently being pushed to failure with particular muscle groups, at which point its recovery speed like kicks up. Um, but once I, once I'm in it, I'm in it. Uh, once I've I've rebuilt the routine, I can maintain it for a very long time because my body just gets used to going to failure and then having to continue going about the day after that point. All right, our last email here comes from Chase. Chase in Chicago. Hi, Waypoint crew. The MLB The Show discussion on the pod stirred up a lot in me as a baseball video game fan going back. You actually hit on one of the catalyzing events of baseball video games, perhaps without realizing it. EA and the NFL killing NFL 2K. Three months after the NFL EA exclusive contract was announced, 2K and MLB announced an exclusive third party licensing deal to start in 2006. EA's MVP baseball series, which was widely thought the better of the two games, would have to come to an end, but MLB would continue to license for continue to license first party games by the console manufacturers allowing Sony to continue developing their MLB games. MVP, MVP Baseball actually tried to stay alive by becoming a college baseball game, but it just didn't sell without the MLB license. MVP's uh, still rather beloved, and there's still a mod and roster update scene for MVP 05. MLB 2K didn't really get much better after MVP was gone. MLB The Show did, and that deal went poorly enough that 2K had investor calls where they'd have to mention the series was losing money, but they had a contractual yes! obligation I to make these and would cease when their contract ended. 
they had to keep making games after they no longer wanted to. <laughs> it somehow got a one-year renewal at the end, which everyone kind of chalks up to MLB being desperate enough to want anything on the Xbox 360 that they threw some money at 2K for another year. MLB 2K13 was basically the previous year's game with new rosters, but somehow buggier, and it lost an online league mode from the last game. With 2K done, MLB started publishing and eventually developing that RBI baseball reboot in order to have MLB games on non-Sony platforms until finally striking that deal that made the show cross-platform. Naturally, my question for each of the crew, have you had a thing that you love that died for absolutely petty reasons that had barely that barely had anything to do with the thing itself? Thanks, love the pod, Chase in Chicago. I mean, I feel like this happens in TV all the time, like TV and films, but especially these days. Just, I mean, like sports games are like there are so many sports franchises that just do die because they lose the licensing or they just kind of fade away. Like, um, what was the cause of death for front page sports? That that to me is the front page football. That's my big question. Why did you die? <laughs> you sounded so sad, Rob. These were really cool. you... It was a really cool sports franchise uh, series. What? Why must the sports franchise die? Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, oh, gosh, yeah. Okay, I, I, actually, here, here is me. Uh, Lucas had, like... Lucas Games, Lucas Arts, whatever name it went by, was an amazing game studio and like groundbreaking work in adventure games, space combat sims, all sorts of things. Tons of cool games coming out of Lucas uh, throughout the 90s. And then for the prequel era, they kind of blew up the entire concept of how they licensed and made Star Wars games and they farmed it out uh, pretty extensively. And they effectively like kind of blew up Lucas uh, in short order. Uh, just from a just from like a shift in strategy and approach to like wanting to just license these things rather than make them in house. So like for, from my standpoint, like the way it all unfolded was uh, LucasArts was one of the best game studios in the industry. And then in shockingly short order, they had basically like scorched the earth, um, you know, for for that developer and it, it's scattered and people went their separate ways. You still got star Wars games, but I don't think it was ever, I don't think like the various pieces of Lucas arts, uh, have been as like creatively productive or like had as consistent output, uh, separately as they did under the umbrella of Lucas arts. Like I feel it was like one of those really special places mm-hmm. that like hit a high quality bar and, like let like did the license stuff you'd expect and then also let people do weird goofy cool shit like anything about Tim Schafer and all of that. And it was just kind of blown up for for no good reason. Uh and I think you sort of draw a line from that to the fact that it still feels like Star Wars isn't as big in video games as you would expect. Uh because they never they never did sort of hit get the formula right uh after that. Um, you know, you get you, you, it sort of culminates in the disastrous EA deal, um, but yeah, that's that's kind of, that's kind of my take. Is like they'd done the thing; they had created uh, you know a legendary game developer in house to work on Star Wars stuff and a bunch of other stuff, um, and then they it always kind of felt like they just didn't want to do that anymore and and killed it. Well, funny enough, EA is probably the you know for for good reason 
constantly pointed to as the, the, the publisher that mishandled so many different studios and acquisitions over the years um, that I don't know if I necessarily call it petty, but it's definitely uh, like adds <laughs> up to feel that way when you, you know, acquire X number of studios. And it seems like that's going to be the death of it as opposed to getting access to resources and not having to worry about payroll as much. But uh, EA earned certainly earned that marker uh, over the years. I'll never, I'll never forgive them for what they did to Titanfall. Uh, I'll, never, I'll never forgive them for what they did to Titanfall. Never. Oh, fuck. Yeah, it's yeah, a good example. That's, like, yeah. Titanfall that's a too, really good like, example. <laughs> got completely screwed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I've, I've been trying to think of this, and it's like, it doesn't really quite fit because it, it didn't die. But it almost did, uh, and I've been playing a lot of it recently. Actually, is Netrunner uh, just disappeared yeah. for still mysterious? Re- I, I don't think that there's ever been in like official line on like why the license got weird with that or like who ended up being the like. Yeah, <laughs> was it that w- that um, Wizards pulled it? Was it that FFG didn't? renew it like what happened there who could say no one knows i've never been able i haven't found any reasons luckily the the fan uh the fan uh run organization that has picked it up has been making really good cards so it's not dead dead but you know it's it's harder to play when there's like a less of a community that because it doesn't have like there's like no marketing like budget behind this like you know the way that ffg has for their games like you know there's less of a structure there so like you know there's a there's a meetup in new york like i happen like new york is big enough that we've got yeah. like a solid 20 people who will like play netrunner on any given uh other week <laughs> but netrunner but, was like thriving yes and yeah and like and, and like here's the thing too is like this is another reason why it doesn't technically fit because i came to it after it died technically so it wasn't a thing that i was into and then they got killed but i still do feel like man i wish i could have come into it when it was at its like height um although like apparently one of the like recent uh um uh world's tournaments was like like 50 entrants off of like how big worlds used to be yet under the FFG days or whatever, right? Yeah. Like, it's it's getting there. They're they're rebuilding. <laughs> Everyone go go play go play some Netrunner. It's good. <laughs> and that uh, will be a wrap on today's episode of Waypoint Radio. If you want more from Waypoint, you can follow us on Twitter at Waypoint, Facebook, and YouTube Waypoint Bias. You can follow me on Twitter at Rob Zachney. Uh, Ricardo, where can people follow you? At a underscore Cotto underscore appears. Patrick. At Patrick Klubik. Ren. You can follow me on Twitter at Ren or Raven. And you can check out what we published on waypoint.vice.com. And thanks to Waypoint Plus, we've been able to have a bunch of fun streams lately. Uh, Kato and I crushed it at Motorsport Manager last last week. Uh, you can check out our, our incredible victory, our, our flawless win. Uh, and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was. It was. It was extraordinary. I think we did. It was a very good win. It was a very good win. Yeah, we've got uh, some talking to do with Gaspar, though. We do, and coming up soon, we've uh, we're going to be 
I hope maybe Patrick, you and I play a little Dead Space before I maybe return this TV. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try and squeeze it this week before you hit your deadline. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and for our plus listeners, uh, we had the uh, sports pod come back to talk about the Cubs with Jason Kebler, uh, and that should also hit the main feed. Uh, It'll hit it soon after I told Kato you need to upload it. It's, it was, it's <laughs> up. It, it, it hit it. It hit, it hit up. I don't and know. You've already up. enjoyed it by the time you listen to this podcast. Uh, I, I hope yeah. you. I hope you love it. Uh, but hopefully, know. people like the. You know, we're playing with the format as we you know escape the the NFL's uh, velocity and the you know like in the in the deep of its off season. But I, I think we've quite liked having a, a guest come on to talk through a sport that. You know, Rob and I both observe and are interested in, but it is nice to I feel like we're feel very authoritative about the NFL and then have like things we can say about other sports, but are a little bit out of our depth. And it's been nice having other folks come on to um, to uh, kind of walk us through that. So hopefully we can do more of that going forward. Hopefully, you know, as this Bulls run takes off, we'll have lots more basketball talk uh, as as America <laughs> yeah. catches. Bulls We're gonna have fever. to, Rob. If they make if they make it out of the playing tournament, I know, then I know. we will have it's, to. We will know we will know the fate of that by next week. So, uh, if that sounds good, or you just want more Waypoint, you can go to waypointplus.com and subscribe. Not only do you get access to our premium feed, but you're also helping support Waypoint and everything else we do here. Our merch store is that back up. WaypointGeneralStore.com. <laughs> that would being looked into. Yeah. No, that's uh, yeah, it's still a parked domain. Okay, well, uh, eventually there'll oh, be a merch store. Parked domain. Is there a different URL we can give to people? No, no. We would have to buy a different URL. Oh, it doesn't have like it a dot com have. slash. <laughs> I wish it All did. Right, well, because then yeah, we could just use that. Well, we're looking into it. It's it's unfortunately tied up in someone else's email address, and um, hopefully we'll have a solution to that soon. Our theme music is by Bowen. The track is Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Learn more at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. For now, we are calling time on this Tuesday. We will talk to you again on Friday. Until then, fuck capitalism. Go home. We just do a three-hour podcast. We did <laughs> every time. Rob said, "Here's another question." Was like, have you looked at the time? I, I, I lost track of time too. I didn't realize. I didn't. My I, stomach has not lost track of the, <laughs> the timestamp. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm ready for lunch, but oh, jeez. All right, let's go on. Ooh, wait, we have top of the minute in play. I know it's a little bit of a wait, but I think it's worth it. Top of the minute. Kato <laughs> oh, can yeah. tell when they do the edit. Yeah. Like they can feel it. Worth it. Hey, do you think energy. like when you when you scroll through like an Instagram, there's like they're always trying to pitch you on like weird tech and mm-hmm. get like just, there's weird shit they're trying to sell yeah. you on through the app. There's got to sometimes you see weird clocks, right? And sometimes I'm like, well, oh, those are kind of neat. And then you click on it. It's like four hundred dollars. But what if I could get a time dot is clock? Can I get one? Does that exist? You're talking I about get a, 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 a clock that's synced to... Yeah. It's not well, a clock. It would, still, it would still have a delay, of course. But if it could regularly pull time.is, I'm sure right. that's a thing. Well, what does time.is pull from? 
Isn't that pulling from uh, the universe? <laughs> the clocks? <laughs> that is the clock of the universe. <laughs> I feel no, it, it, should... it must be syncing to like the atomic clock or whatever, right? Like some other. Right, there's like, there's like, a, standard. there's like a national atomic clock standard that like tons of clocks sync with, right? Like right. you have those little clocks in schools that say they're like synced to atomic time. How does time does? Okay, how well, have we my not watch, asked my, how my time that is worth is, yet? <laughs> my watch matches time dot is, but then I'm watching a, a line move. That's not as fun. I want I want like an, I want like to hang next to me over here. I just want a, 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 a an atomic clock. That's and what I want. Time dot is slash about. Time dot is time dot is is synchronized with an atomic clock, the most accurate time source in the world. The displayed time will normally have a precision of 0.02 to 0.1 seconds. Damn, wait. a whole tenth of a second off? The precision wait, depends wait. on your internet connection and how busy your computer is. Wait, 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 wait. An atomic clock. Yeah, it just says an atomic clock. I don't know. What makes that, whoa, whoa. Which what makes that motherfucker clock? so special? I don't fucking yeah. know. Like, how do I? I don't know. I don't know how I feel about twenty five for twenty five dollars. I could between the hours of two and six have an atomic clock on my desk. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. Um, hey, I'm gonna. Uh, re- I'm gonna. Pat, re- you're cutting in and out really badly. Yeah, I'm gonna reboot really quick. Yeah. I'll be right back. <laughs> and we might have to open a time that is again. No, but then it won't be a top of the minute one. We're hanging by a thread here. <laughs> whoa! 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 <laughs> This is the only thing keeping the team together is the idea of, time, of top of the minute time dot is. Um, by the time that Patrick gets back, it might be the next top of the minute. Be, rolling we can, back we around. Can, we can still be safe, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of uh, keeping things in sync, I had the most king of executive function moment the other day. Like, this is all time for me. Mm-hmm. Hit me. Uh, I was prepping. I was, I was making dinner. And there were a couple things that had, like, Ideally, you want them to come up together. And I put the last thing in the microwave. I start the timer. And I look down at the oven timer. I look back up at the microwave timer for all the dishes. They are exactly synced to the second. What is coming out of the oven is going to come out at the exact moment the microwave beeps. And the meal is complete. Incredible. So strong. Wow. You did it. I did the opposite of that. And started dinner way too late for when we wanted to eat <laughs> well kind of that's the classic uh that is the classic move that's usually me yeah. um <laughs> but in my during my reign as king of executive function i do things like we are going to eat at seven thirty, and it turns out that means like well it wasn't exactly seven thirty, but it does mean that like at seven thirty four or whatever the meal came up exactly on time amazing wow but no we're we are no strangers to uh rob is going to make a dinner for us and that dinner arrives at like I optimistically nine thirty, but there have definitely <laughs> been times where I'm like, "Well, uh, yeah. it'll be done at ten fifteen. It'll be good, <laughs> but it will be late." Uh, yeah, I'm the expert at like missing an entire step where it's like, and then this has to braise slowly for an hour, <laughs> and I will just like not clock that hours in there. Yeah. Also, prep time, uh, like estimates on recipes, total bullshit. None of them are real. They've even admitted, like, I think recipe no. makers have admitted they do this because otherwise nobody would make the recipes. <laughs> sure. They're yeah, lying I... motherfuckers. 
You God know what? Damn it. No, no, no. I, I do think that like there are some things where it's like this. This is what it, this is what if if there was a robot following yes. these exact instructions, <laughs> right. this would be the amount of time that it would take. Yeah. Which like that's not you. No, <laughs> that's not you. If you had a sous chef, maybe. It's like how good are you at like knife prep? And the answer for me is I'm not. Like have... there's at no point in my life have I ever sat down and be like. I'm going to chop like a hundred green peppers and a hundred onions. Just like really get my techniques down. (laughs) That ain't me. I have a specific, and sometimes I'll separate prep time and stuff. So, you know, it's like, Oh, maybe prep time will take you longer because you chop slower. But once you, once you're in the cook, it'll take X amount of time. I, mine is like a little bit, this is worse. And I should have noticed, honestly, I had, I got like a pre-made packet of, like enchilada sauce and on the back it has the recipe like grab a pound of chicken breast and we'll walk you through how to make some chicken yeah. enchiladas great uh there's a little like punch out like uh starburst that says 35 minute cook like done in 35 minutes what they don't say is uh when i when you notice when i look when you read through it and notice it says uh that you're boiling some water which uh, like immediately adds to the time what they didn't add to their time then you're cooking the chicken for 15 minutes in the boiling water the 15 minutes and then you're putting together the enchiladas and then you're baking for 20 minutes so they just took the two times the 20 minute bake and the 15 minute cook and put that together but all the other steps in between take time there's no way you're getting out in 35 minutes yeah i've done like I've, i've done like the meal prep like kits for years and it's just a constant (laughs) <laughs> judging of me on every oh yeah it's like this is a quick one 25 minutes like an hour and 10 minutes later i'm serving it and it's just like like yep. i feel like shit at the end of every me- like the meals yeah. are terrific like i've i've really enjoyed that process but i was like just can Patrick. you just say like short medium long as opposed to putting a specific goddamn time on it and i'll figure out what that means for my life i had to give up on uh we used to get this uh, one from, I don't know, it was like one of those meal prep kits it was like from uh, like organic farms in like Georgia or whatever. It was like something, something pizza. By the way, it did that thing. And I had to give up on it when my track record of getting these done in a reasonable time frame was so bad that there started to be multiple days where it was like the meal prep kit was sitting there. And I was like, you know, we could just click a few buttons and have Chinese food show up. Okay, I never and got as, that bad. I'm just going from happening. 30 minutes to an hour. <laughs> Rob's stretching a meal over three days. Like, I still got to get through those peppers. <laughs> it's I'm, I'm in I'm in a weird position right now because I, I, I spend most nights with my girlfriend, uh, but we do not live together. Uh, and her job frequently keeps her between one and three hours late every single fucking day and so i have no goddamn clue (laughs) when she is going to start heading home (laughs) and so like i'm not gonna fucking cook at 8 30 p.m in an apartment that isn't mine are you fucking kidding me are you joking are Are you comedy joking me are you hiding from people still too janae doesn't come out of her fucking room um (laughs) I don't, I'm not doing that. I'm no, not. That's, that's too late I, to start a meal for sure. It, no matter it's, what. It's, and that's Maybe you can get like a box of mac and cheese down real quick, but even then. 
or like a quesadilla. Mm-hmm. But like that's not a meal. Uh, I beg to differ. <laughs> but that's a Sorry, no, you're right. You're right, Ren. You're you're correct. A quesadilla is not a dinner. Quesadillas is dinner. <laughs> well, Rob, how are you defining quesadillas? Uh, well, you got your burrito uh, sized tortillas. You got a mm. big uh, skillet. And then you fill that quesadilla with the cheese and meats and toppings of your dreams. Nope, nope. Already, already, <laughs> already much. gone That's, beyond. Yeah. <laughs> already gone already gone beyond you what's happening here, Rob. You gotta cut meat and veggies and things meat, to go with. That's veggie, not, that's no, prep. None of no. that shit's in here. No, this is a, a struggle quesadilla meal, Rob. Is cheese. I want to <laughs> be real. That's be just real. a You're just, you're calling it a quesadilla. You just wanted to eat cheese. <laughs> that's what it uh, is. It's literally in what, the name. The, yeah, that's, 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 that is what those words mean, Patrick, <laughs> you, first of all. You know what? I saw some tweets earlier this week that said, I don't deserve strep throat because I am not a child. <laughs> We're ready to go. Let's go. That's the energy we need. We're ready to start this podcast. But we also have to do time. That is the second time because I had to record. Fuck. <laughs> I knew this would happen. Yes, God I'm damn so it. mad. I I spent. Oh, I was so fucking domestic this week. I decided so much shit around the home. Oh. All right, let's go on forty-five. All right. Wow. Not even a whole number. No way, Rob. Great on the edge. No, a five is a whole number. A great fraction. Uh, a five is a whole number to me. I it is. I, yeah. Like, what's the word I'm looking up. for? A zero. I just wanted a zero at the end, right? To, to emulate the you, top of the minute energy. No, five is the top of the minute energy. <laughs> like I, I, I think it's like fives and zeros. Fives and zeros are the same thing to me. Mm, mm, five's a half of something. No. Yeah, and a half, two halves makes a whole. And so that makes it a whole. <laughs> because two holes also makes a whole. Hmm. Mm. All right. Let's dig into it. Well, that's how you make a hole. Perfect. <laughs> now let's now let's dig deeper. 